All right, you ready to do a show in the hot box? Let's do a it's show. Inappropriate. It's, Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's really not that hot. I, well, yeah, I guess. I was moving around. I guess that's enough for. <laughs> that's make. That's enough to bust a sweat. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I'm. I'm at that point where. I've just given up on the fact that, and I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not going to be the. Everything is based on climate change, but it's just. It's getting hotter. And it's been getting hotter and muggier since I moved to California. And for me, I'm just finally at that point. I'm like, yeah, it actually, now I'm not a fan of hot and muggy all the time. When I first moved here, I was like, ah, yeah, like celebrating every day because I knew that the winter was never coming. That's not a Game of Thrones reference because I don't watch enough of it, but. (laughs) Winter. Winter's never coming. Winter's never coming. (laughs) Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I am John Huck. There it is. John very special episodes. It is. You know why it's yeah, you know why it's special cuz you cannot hear the theme song playing right now cuz you're for the first time in a long time due to not technical difficulties and not wearing headphones. So I'm going to let it play actually the whole show. Great. And, and then you no will... one will listen. It will be the least listened to show. <laughs> People will think you stroked out and uh, forgot to press off. Uh, this is our uh, this is our retrospective show. This is our Brian Irwin looks at 50 years. So if you're going to leave, uh, now would be now the time to leave the, the room. Which, you know what, I just I should open all my sets with that on stage. If you're going to leave, now's the time. Now's the time to leave. But but the thing is, leave it on and continue to subscribe because we still win. You just don't have to listen yeah, to it. Yeah, you just Those, don't just have just to two different Brian's, things. you know, <laughs> look back at 50 years of... I mean, look, from... from How many? From You mean 27. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the most hilarious joke ever. Jack Benny's been 39 forever. I oh, oh. Here's, here's an interesting fact that uh, my oh. mom pointed fun out facts. today. What's that? It's a fun fact. Good. So, well, or yeah, is it sure. not fun? We'll I mean, find out. It, we'll see. You might not find it fun. Uh, <laughs> my parents, this today would have been their 50th wedding anniversary. Ah, it is a fun fact. So you were born the day after they were married. Oh, so what are you saying? We're brothers? It I'm turns saying out, we might be related. I'm just kidding. That it is. turns out the only reason why you were ever born is because your parents had me, uh-huh. and then they got rid of me immediately. <laughs> they traded up. Um, but yeah, that's, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. It actually is a very good... Uh, one day later. My parents get married one day later. You're born. Hmm. Curious. Let's look into that. I think, I think my mom... Let's my get mom info knew, wars on that. My mom... My mom was the first person to ever think about podcasts, and uh, <laughs> I think the day after her wedding, she was like, you know, I'd like to have a son who has a podcast with very few listeners. Can I just say, I hope that, uh, you know, one of the things when you have kids is you play, uh, like, music on the belly. I hope no one's playing podcasts for children. Oh, on the oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Put the, pu- I, I'm put like, the put headphones the on and play yeah. podcasts. Please don't do that. Don't, well, definitely do it with ours. Uh, well, yeah, well. Uh, I mean, look, do you want your baby to be intelligent? Well-rounded. Uh, then listen to Malcolm Gladwell's. Well, I mean, but he cla- is he class now? I know people hate him now. I know every every day we have to hate someone. New, I can't rem- I, I can't keep anybody. I can't keep up who we're hating anymore. Who There's we're loving, a lot of who wackadoos hate, out there. Who we love, who we hate, depending on the day. Who's 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 finally got redemption? I don't think anybody has been redeemed since Michael Vick, and it, which is interesting because Michael <laughs> Vick was pretty extreme. Man. And he redeemed, and but, he's got to feel like, and you know, because I to this day, I think Pee Wee Herman still hasn't redeemed himself as much as Michael. Dude, Pee Wee Herman has to be looking at what's going on. And be, well, first of all, I think there's been some other stuff I've heard about him though, so I don't want to get too. Oh, oh, Paul Rubens. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't I've know. I've always heard nice things about him. So have I. Yeah, as a person, yes. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I was just gonna say that uh, he's got to be looking around like what. 
I, got, I took shit for how long? For what? Beaten off? Well, like, scandals have completely changed, right? Like, what, what we considered scandalous... They were, they were always joking about um, that one guy that was running for politics, and they were like, we'll never vote for him because of his laugh. Like, I mean, things oh, have yeah. gotten Howard so... Oh, yeah, Howard Dean? Yeah, like... When, when he was like, wee! What yeah. was, he made a terrible noise, yeah. and we were like, well, That's you're it. done. Yeah, you're done. Like, literally his... And it was supposed to be, like, enthusiastic, I think. Yeah. It was like he was excited for something, so he was like, wee! I can't yeah, even yeah. make the noise, but It like, was a little bit weird. It was probably like something happened in his vocal cord and just created that weird sound. And, and, and look, you're enough. on the campaign trail. You're talking all the time. All yeah. you do is talk, shake hands, yeah. use hand sanitizer, kiss a baby. You're, it's, it's, it's on repeat all the time. So, yeah, it, you know, when you're hoarse and, like, your voice cracks and when your friends are around, you're like, oh, all right, puberty, and they make fun of you. That guy happened to be on TV and the world saw it. And it was like, oh, dude, no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah the, the, we, have, we have evolved as to what we, and, and in some respects it's been good, as to what we consider acceptable. And then there's other things where we're just like, that poor person, everything they ever put into it, and everything was gone because of something that now One, we're like, nah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's but like I think he, there was a thing with Paul Rubens, there was always also that kind of inkling that he wanted to kill the Pee Wee Herman character, meaning he was tired of it, and he couldn't get out of it. And he, that was a way out, but not that he wanted to get caught or face all that, you know. And, I mean, and again, he was also doing a kids show, and he was that busted doing what he was doing. So it, I understand the initial like, well, we can't have you keep doing this. I get that, but the fact that basically he was shamed for well over like a decade and a half was just weird to me, just because the world has changed. Now we're talking about people. Like that kind of stuff. Imagine every single person that's in jail for like marijuana possession or like has done jail time. And you kind of look at that stuff and you go, all right, well, that's, you know, we're looking at apples to oranges at that point. You got to, you have to feel a lot worse for people that, Dude. that, you know, are doing are stuff. wrongfully imprisoned for, yeah. for doing nothing really. Um, so, I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, I just, I, like I said, there's certain things that you hope and I feel like the world is evolving towards like marijuana is not the devil. You know, if anything, alcoholism has probably killed more people and wrecked more families. Not alcohol. It, not than, if anything. I'm just. I don't. Statistically, I'm, I don't know. I don't factually. Have this, okay. There I, have unlike many people, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, so I'm I, not I going don't to. need the stats in front of me, man. I've been researching this shit since I was a sophomore he, in high school. Here he comes. But like, there have been no overdoses on marijuana. That That's is not, not what a I'm thing. talking about. I'm. I'm getting to what you're talking about. Okay. There have been people who have drank themselves to death by accident, meaning they've gargled on their own barf until they were dead because they were so hammered. Famous rock stars have done that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of other people have done it too, right? Now, there's been no... The, the, the auto-fatality thing, all alcohol. All alcohol, all the time. There are no fatal car accidents because some guy smoked a doobie. But there could be. That's yeah. one area where no, you still have to be responsible. people hitting each other at eight miles an hour while they're fucking looking at a bag of M&Ms on their car seat going, I can't wait to get you home. <laughs> like, that's, that's not going to cause a, that's not gonna cause any death. So you're saying smoking weed causes you to talk to food? Uh, sure, but, and you probably shouldn't be driving cars. I'm not, I'm not like... That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, hey, yeah. everyone get high and drive around. I'm just saying like... And you're not supposed to do it when you're drinking either. I mean, the point is no. there are laws in place, but the laws were put in place because people did it, right? It's like everything, cause and effect. Yeah, you have to. The, yeah, the law came because some idiot was like, "That's yeah. like that's why you see, you know, push and pull door signs on doors." 
<laughs> too many people get hit too, in the too face. Many people are walking into stuff. Like I don't know which way to. Dude, I did that the other day. I have a. I have a sli- magic door. Move. I have a sliding like a, a wooden door that slides um, between like the bedrooms and the living room of my apartment. So, like when Nicole's trying to sleep or whatever, I will slide that door just to add a little another door of, of noise resistance. You know, the other night. She was sleeping, and I was watching TV, and I, I had closed that door, but forgot about it. And then I got off the couch, turned the TV off, and turned the light off. Now, I walked through my apartment in the dark a thousand times, and I've never had any issues. I had a glass of water, my phone, and I didn't have any lights on my phone. My phone wasn't on. And I walked I slammed into that door face first, just like walked right <laughs> into it. You know what I mean? And it, it didn't break or anything. It just made a huge noise. I dropped my phone. I was like, oh, and like hurt my nose. Like yeah. I really hurt my nose. And Nicole, because she's like, oh my God, are you, what, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm like, uh, nothing. I just walked into the store. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, everything except my pride and my dignity. <laughs> and like, it was even really... though no one was there. Isn't it funny that you still feel oh. humiliated when oh. no one sees you? I felt like an idiot. I felt like an idiot. The 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 time before that, I've done I've done similar things. When I was in, I was working on the Jamie Kennedy experiment and our first uh, like road um, show we did. In, we went to Panama City for spring break, and we we're gonna do a bunch of pranks down there. And uh, I was a production assistant, and everyone, everyone on the crew liked me, you know? And the upper guys kind of liked having me around. Like, they were, I was, they, they could give me shit, and I could take it, and, like, I would also get the job done. And I was a little bit older than, like, an average PA, probably. So we were all, like, the first day we're in town, we all go to these, our hotels, and I got a nice hotel overlooking the ocean. And uh, my boss, this executive producer, is like, hey, why don't you come on, come on down? We're all having some drinks in the, in the hotel room. So... We were having a couple cocktails in his room. Uh, people started passing around a doobie. At the time, every once in a while, I would, doobie. I would smoke a cigarette. So I had a cigarette behind my ear, and I was like, uh, we, we're hanging out, and I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go outside on the, the balcony of your hotel, and I'm going to smoke a cigarette. And I put the cigarette in my mouth, and I start walking, and I'm talking to somebody, and I'm trying to walk out to the balcony, but I don't see that the screen door is closed. I so I put my foot, like, I basically kick the door, and it folds in half <laughs> and, like, comes down. And I step, I keep walking because I'm confused. Uh, finish the job. And then, the I, job. then I just stomp all over this door. And, and I, and I so like, the cigarette smashes into my face, you know, like <laughs> a cartoon. And I'm like, I look at the mess that I just made, and I turn around, and everybody, it's like all my bosses just staring at me like, you fucking idiot! And the the uh, Henry Coda was the um, production designer. He's he jumps up. This guy didn't miss a beat. He was like, "No worries, dude." He was super nice. He's like, "No worries, dude." He co- he like he's out on the he's got the door beat. He's got beating it with a hammer. He's tapping the the frame back in. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is we're gonna leave this better than we found it." And I'm like. Oh, okay, man, because uh, I'm pretty embarrassed right now. <laughs> he goes, ah, don't worry about it's it. It's all about the better be- the better than the way we found it uh, uh, close. Yeah, I dude, I, just, I feel like such a fool, though. I was like, oh, my God. I have multiple multiple times I have seen people at malls walk into glass, like trying to leave places. It may, it may for me, be the funniest thing that I've ever seen from a... From a from from an accidental safe for a safe accident. Right, 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 they're right. Slip yeah. and fall. You're not walking make you through laugh a plate glass window or No, like, no, they yeah. stop, it shakes, it makes a lot of noise. Forty people turn and look at you. And you're like standing right yeah. next to a window going, 
So not a door? Is that oh, what I'm to understand? Yeah, my favorite is when people pretend like they didn't just do what they did is always my class. What was that noise? Yeah, yeah, what's, what's yeah. that? <laughs> Looking around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can all see you. Yeah. <laughs> There's security. There's a security <laughs> camera. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish you could have been there when I... I, when in college, I went and fell asleep on someone else's couch. Like I just walked randomly into a house when I was drunk, and I, I passed out on their couch. And the next day, the family was very nice. The father was like talking to me about fly fishing, and like, oh, good. Well, good. he he woke me up. Like versus I think I stabbing the story, you. but like I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, that. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, yeah. The guy he woke me up. We're all he, familiar with your. Uh... And he was like, "Yeah, do you do you know someone who lives here?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I know Scott." And he was like, "Oh, Scott Peters," and I go. Yeah, and he goes, Scott Peters is nine. And I go, no, I don't know Scott Peters. I know another Scott. But the guy was super nice. The late, his wife was super nice. And then when I got up to leave, I didn't know where the door was. I had no idea how I'd gotten in there. So I like walked over to like a bay window. And, <laughs> and the lady was like, da, 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 da. What? no, why don't you go out this way? <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Oh, my God. You know, I, that would never, today you may actually get killed. Oh, no. I mean, look. This is the, and obviously the fact that you the door was open that you could even get the in. The fact these that are I was different times, th- well, different it's a different town. I was yeah. in Ashland, Wisconsin. I was on. I was in a town of you know eight thousand people who nobody locked their doors. People left their they car running in the winter. Day. Like no, no. My theory is this you did has happened more to times. Them. My theory is this has happened to that family several times because they didn't they didn't bat an eye. No one was scared, confused, or worried. They were like, we got a college kid sleeping on our couch. Like. This happens. We, this is the town we live in. Okay, that's They live close enough to campus that they were like, I'm sure it's happened before. I did hear about another guy who did it at a different house, but they had <laughs> young, young children, and it was a single mom, and uh, she freaked out yeah. and called the police. Yeah. Yeah, which she should have. Which these people should have. I should have. I should have yeah, spent the be night very in jail. clear. You're making yeah. it seem like no, it's fine. I'm a casual couch crasher. It's kind I of just, a. It's a rite of passage. No, in no, no, yeah. no. When I tell people that story, they're like, "You're insane. You're lucky you're not dead." Yeah. And if if you would if you do that here, <laughs> you die. I mean, clearly you do it in Texas. You die. You do it anywhere. You. you in Canada, be, probably not. Canada, they'd be like, "Oh, hey, it's cold out. Come on yeah. in." You leave in the states, huh? <laughs> you leave in the states, eh? Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, just leaving, bumping into things—it is—it's comical. It is funny. You're it's correct. Always, always going to be my favorite. But let's uh, let's not talk so much about me. No, and let's, my, let's, and my let's ways. keep going. Let's um, keep going. Brian, you're turning fifty, buddy. That's it. Yeah, five zero. Oh. You know, it's interesting. Half a century. It is, and I know a lot of people don't. Um, I never really struggle. I don't really care about my age. I, I genuinely don't. There was probably, I think when I first moved out here, I think it, I noticed, especially in the MySpace generation, a lot of people refused to put their age on there. Remember, that was like the first time yeah. that you could, that if you wanted to be legit, right, you would put your age on there. You know, if you yeah. lived out here. I think we're a little bit more, um, ageism does exist to an extent in the world that we work, that we live in and, 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 and work in out here in Los Angeles. So when I first moved out here, I was 32 years old. Obviously, I had already lived a life before I got out here, so I, I started late to where the, probably most people would have come out here about 10 years previous to that, right? Yeah, like I came out when I was 24. Yeah. yeah. So when MySpace hit, a lot I noticed right away that a lot of people that I know were like putting their ages at like 70 years old, stuff like that, like trying to... Try yeah, to trying to be it. funny, yeah. yeah or yeah. just not willing to admit their real age. But the problem was by the time you get to... Fa- not the problem, but by the time you get to Facebook... You're connecting with people that you grew up with. Everybody knows they how know old how everybody old you is. Are. It's pretty yeah. easy. And then Facebook started, you know, took over classmates.com, which, you know, it was the year you graduate. So it's just like, who cares? And I, after a while, I think by the time I turned 40, I just didn't care. I don't care. 
I really don't. No one really asks you how old you are anyway. Well, no one asks you. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Just the, me? No, meaning like like the ageism thing out here is definitely real, but it is predominantly for women. You know what I mean? It, it affects women much way more. Way more. Absolutely. Way more than it affects men. Like, and earlier. Although I will say, I, I don't, and I don't think this is ageism, but like as as we, as technology advances, as as production and the world of Hollywood kind of changes, I do feel a little bit out of touch sometimes with like the job scene. You know, like I'm a producer and a writer. Those are pretty clear cut things. But then all the jobs are like, you have to be able to shoot your own thing. You have to be able to edit it. You have to be able to wrangle the talent. You have to be able to book the talent. You have to know the publicist. It's like, dude, you want someone to be a one man production. Like yeah. that's crazy to me. Yeah. But you know, there are guys who shoot, edit and produce. And that's like, I mean, coming up, that's what everybody's doing. You yeah. Know? So it's, it's, it puts me a little bit on the outside. Yeah, and I mean, again, so it's just like, it's funny, you know, as I was getting closer and closer to 50, I was just like, no one really, again, no one asks because no one really cares. But what I thought was really funny, because no one asks, that once, and the only reason why this is coming up is because my wife really wanted to have a party for me, and I'm, I'm not a birthday guy. I'm just not. I don't, I don't roll with birthdays. You don't believe don't in them? I don't, I just don't care. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not... I I personally, and this is not a slam against other people because I've been to parties for you, I don't like celebrating myself. I just don't. Some people do. Some people like celebrating a day, and then some people turn it into a week, and other people turn it into a month, and Again, they never those stop are women. talking about themselves. <laughs> yeah, right? So um, I've, I, I conceded, and what I found was pretty funny was how many of my friends were like, they had to cover up their, holy shit, you're 50? And then they were like, oh, cool. But like their first response was, what the fuck? Like, because well, most of the people I know, I'm about 10 years, I'm five to 10 years older right. than most people that I know. But you don't seem that way. Correct. And I don't mean but, that in a negative, you're immature. I mean that in like a... Like no, if, when I went and got my cholesterol medicine at CVS, that's what the woman said to me. She said, you don't look your age. And I said, thank you very much, but I still need my cholesterol What if she was like, you look her. older? <laughs> <laughs> you don't look your age. You actually look 86. She, she actually said it in hopes that I was, she said, I don't look my age either. So she was really, what she was doing was complimenting to get the compliment, but I still took the compliment. Does that make sense? Yeah, did yeah. you compliment her at all? I had to because I saw what she was doing. What was she doing? She was making the compliment to me so she could say that people said that about her too. Oh. So that I could agree that she also does not look her age. Does that make you, sense? And then you said you look older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now give me my, my give, give me my medicine. medicine. <laughs> um yeah, that I mean, look, I, I I think it is it is I think when I first figured it out that you were that much older than me, I was like, Oh, that doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? Because you don't seem like... And I'll say this. I think I think your kids kind of help keep you young, in a sense. Um, like, you're out coaching f sports and, you know what I mean, moving around and you're doing shit. You're wrong there. Kids age you. Oh, yeah? So yeah, you're saying that if you, didn't, if you didn't have kids, you'd be like... Uh, you'd look 30? Yeah, yes. Yeah, mostly through hair dye, but yes. <laughs> and plugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel you look 50, but... Like you said, you did. You lived a whole life before you came out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's th like, which most people also don't know about. Well, right. Because, uh, but how do? You, but but why would they? Unless you were some sort of you know exhibitionist. Because they're or selfish like you, and don't ask. What's that? Because they're selfish and never ask. I'm just kidding. Well, that I mean, yes, no. But also, there's no, there's no. No one would think to ask because it doesn't seem like. There's anything, you know what I mean? You Most people don't, you don't post online like, my fucking ex-wife, blah, 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 you know what I mean? You don't bring your bullshit out into the world. No, so it's no like, reason. and you've put all that behind you. Like, it's you're a different person than you were when you were 32, I hope. My God. 
I'm definitely a different person than I was when I was 32. Like, we talk about, like, I have had birthday parties for myself, meaning, like, hey, I'm having a party. Everybody go to this bar. We're going to get rocked, you know? But that died out. I was like, no. I remember when I was, I was turning 39, my last birthday in my 30s, and I, I just started uh, dating Nicole, and uh, we were going down to, I was going to meet her mom and her brother for the first time. And she's yeah. like, but it's, it's on your birthday. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, I don't care. She's like, don't you want to go out and do something? I go, nah, not really. Like, as soon as I met her, I was like, yeah, I don't need any of that other, like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't, like, I have five friends. They'll figure it out it's my birthday. I don't have it. I don't, put, I don't, it's not on Facebook. And it's only not on Facebook. It's not to hide my age. It's to avoid one day of everyone thinking they're my best friend with uh, some sort of birthday message. Part of that, I used to think the Facebook happy birthday thing was cool, and then it turned into self-promotion for some people, jokes, joke writing for others, and then a blanket generic. People just feel the need that they have to say HBD. that. HBD. Yeah. So, I mean, again, HBD. I will never knock point. anybody who takes the time out of their day to even make the effort. That's not what I'm saying, but I do agree with you in the fact that it, it gets to a point where it's a numbers game, and then, it, again, it's that, it, it's that addiction to being... Uh, wanting to be too liked for absolutely no reason. But someone I want to get to you was like, so my wife, and, and this I'm totally fine with this. You know, after you and I had a conversation about it, you know, I conceded to, uh, and I say conceded, it sounds so negative. Uh, yeah, like to, she beat you with a sock no. of batteries, like you're having a fucking party. <laughs> I have issues, man. I have issues about parties. So I think you're um, just afraid people aren't going to show up. That's called an issue about parties. <laughs> so my 40th, my wife throws me a surprise party. Or for one of my birthdays, maybe it wasn't my 40th. She, she, because it, no, it wasn't my 40th. Oh, surprise, John wasn't invited. She threw, no, so say, <laughs> what, it wasn't my 40th because I've known you that long. So, um, anyway, she decides to throw me a surprise birthday party uh, um, uh, early on when we were uh, uh, together. And my favorite part about it was I get home and I open the door and there's a dude I don't even know. He's a friend <laughs> of a friend. And I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, surprise. And I'm like, <laughs> he ruined it. He ruined it? Well, yeah. I mean, because I was just like, it was a surprise. That's for sure. Surprise. Like, there was a stranger in my yeah. house. Wait, were you guys living together at the time? Huh? Had you, have you lived yeah. together? Or she, okay. So this isn't like she broke into your place, no. set everything up, and then you're like, seriously, who the fuck are you? People? No, no. He just, it was one of those things where he was Sasquatching <laughs> past the door as I was. <laughs> As was, I was uh, a blurry, a blurry version of the guy, you know the sad, by. the side, yes, the, the move, the, I know. The, the move. Yes, he was, he was Sasquatching past, and I was just like, <laughs> "Hey," and he's like, "Oh, hey, uh, surprise!" And then I saw past him, and I saw people I knew. But it was just funny that that's the first. That's guy. the funny. The first person I thought saw was was that person, and then past that, the only surprise party party that I had was when I was twenty one. My mom threw it for me. I think I already told this story, but I don't think mom, so. My mom throws it for, for me. I'm going to this school at University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. My friends are all losers. Oh, yeah. And uh, my mom throws me the party 45 minutes away in my hometown of Racine. Uh, She orders a, you know, right, 21st, I'm going to get you a barrel. Like, my parents were like, hey, all this underage drinking, that's bullshit kind of thing, right? And so then my mom was like, all right, you know, you're you're 21. 21, I'll do this for you. Nobody shows up. Oh, no. She was devastated. So my brother... Uh, you know, to this day, I really appreciate what he did. Yeah, he so went and rounded up a bunch of he, criminals and no, brought he them over. Up, he, he went and got all his friends, and they all came over. 
Uh, I knew most of his friends. They and do not kid yourself. They came for the free beer. Dude, there was no doubt about I it. I would have driven up from Illinois for the free beer. But yeah, but uh, I'll never forget how devastated my mom was. She she saw that as like an ultimate failure, and it bothered me. It bothered me for a really long time. And I kept saying to her, I was like, "Mom, it's okay." I, and it was the classic line. I said, "I go, Mom." You should have asked me about the surprise party because I'd have told you my friends weren't going to come. And she's like, that defeats the whole purpose of the surprise party. Yeah. I go, I get that. But uh, I would have told you that these people are completely unreliable. They are in college being losers right now. Yeah. This is no just money, not where no they're car. at. They're not coming out. No, they could have done it. Yeah. They chose not to because they just, like, that's who you are at that point for most people, at least people that I knew. And I look, they're good dudes, and I still talk to many of them to this day, but it, I'll never forget her sitting in the kitchen, like just devastated, oh. because she's like, you know, her youngest child. She's gonna throw him a party. She's gonna be excited, and nobody. It's the last 21st birthday party she was ever gonna throw. There you got it right there, buddy. And it was that a was failure. It. Yeah. So anyway, so like I got, I have issues about the whole. Do you thing. Th- think that's where it stems from? Just the fear that no one's gonna show up yeah. stems from that party. Absolutely. I've always, and I've always been very open about that. I've, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hiding. Uh, the fact that I'm very, that's exactly what it is. I'm very hyper aware of the fact that I've, I've lived my whole entire life since that moment of like, please don't do things for me. People, people will not show up. They don't give a shit. They will let you down, which is why when we decided to do this, I reached out to you and Eddie and like very specific people. I'm like, if you're coming, I will say yes. Cause I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not going down this path. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make. I didn't go. I didn't go for fifty just to just reap. Do put something on repeat. Right. right. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's funny though. I mean, otherwise move on because I'm more than happy to just coach my kid on my birthday, which is exactly what I'm doing. Coaching him in baseball. And what, I told him when's he, that game? It's tomorrow. It's actually on my oh, birthday. Oh, on your birthday. Oh, on your right. Yeah. Right, and right, he asked Sunday. me. He said, "Are you excited about your birthday?" And I said to him, "I was very honest. I said the greatest gift that I truly believe about my birthday is I get to coach my son." Playing baseball, because I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. and coaching my child playing baseball on my birthday. I mean, that's something that you can't even, like, in your head, you know, there's all the numbers have to match, right, first off. And I was like, this that it, it's that, to me, is really cool. Yeah. No, that's great. Is it a playoff game or something? Mm-mm. Oh, see, it's a fall ball. It's, it's actually the opening day of, of our uh, fall season. Oh, really? Season, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's it's cool. cool. It's cool. So he'll go 0 for 4, struck out, strike out uh, every time. And no, I'm just kidding. What I, is, he's what he's is actually he, really oh. good baseball player. So is this the uh, T-Bone? Uh, Elliot. Oh, okay. The youngest. T-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... T-Bird and E. Bay. Oh, really? The T-Bird and E-Bay are the nicknames. In E-Bay? Yeah. I used to remember when Tanner was young, I used to say, I used to call him T-Bird 9000, and when he was little, he, would, he was infuriated because when kids are little, when they learn things, that is that. That's as far as my it goes. name is Tanner, not T Bird Nine Thousand. He would say, "Don't say that." My name is Tanner, and I am three. I am not nine thousand. So he did oh, not. Oh, he like, equated it, the yeah, age. Yeah. Okay. So it was the fact that I was calling him T Bird drove. Now he accepts it, which is funny because there's a, the the nickname of the of the high school uh, sports team where my parents live is the T Bird. So he thinks that's really cool. now he thinks it's like it's all come back. Now he's wearing T Bird T shirts. No, he doesn't go that far, but. But, you know, you get to a certain age, too, where nicknames are cool, as long as it's a cool nickname, because then if people are, if people are loving calling you the nickname, means that they like you, and, like, they're, you know what I mean? Like, it's a certain le- yeah. level of... Yes, of course. I mean, that's... In, in Like, I did have a, an issue in college. I met some people who I was, I was told their name, and yeah. I thought that was their name. And then uh, it turns out that that was a nickname that they had given themselves. You can't self-nickname. And I was like, well, we're not calling you that anymore. 
I had one guy I lived, he was a roommate of mine. We call them one thing the whole time. I get a phone call one day. Hi, it's so-and-so there. I go, what? No, I never heard of that person. And someone goes, no, that's for me. And I'm like, what? And they grab the phone. They talk to this guy for like an hour. I go, who was that? What's my dad? I go, what's your name? And like, he was like, oh, my real name. And I was like, what? I thought this thing we've been calling you was your real name. What the fuck? I was so mad. I was like, well, dude, I'm calling you by your real name. He's like, well, everyone else calls me. I don't give a shit what everyone else calls you. You can't give yourself a fucking nickname. No. I am no. very anti that. That's I'm, ridiculous. I, I also am anti self nicknaming. I mean, you guys can call me, you know, big big penis. <laughs> That's my nickname. That sounds like a self nickname. Wow. Um, how did you get? How did you become a child actor? How did I wa- you? How, I wasn't a child actor. You were a child actor. You're in multiple commercials. No, no. In commercials, I did print work. Print. Okay. Yeah, that's different. You're a, well, you're a model. You're a model. Well, when did you become a child model? That I mean, which it sounds so weird saying it out of your mouth. <laughs> child your mouth, model out of your mouth. Hole. When did you become a John Bonet Ramsey? Yeah, uh, but it, it, but I guess for all intents and purposes, that is a true statement uh, that I actually did it. My dad used to work in a studio down, downtown Chicago. Ah, and they uh, when you were living in Illinois, did he come down from Wisconsin? No, we, uh, uh, both. We were living in Illinois when I first started doing it, and then he got a job at Western Publishing that did like all the little golden books and stuff like that. Okay, uh, Western Publishing I do not believe exists anymore. But if you look at any of your childhood books, you'll see a little W. All... You'll all see a little W on the corner, upper left hand corner. Yeah, that was the company. My dad was the art director for that, so he all put all those oh, things wow. together and stuff like that. Yeah, like the covers of the books and stuff. Yeah, the whole thing, like anything that they did, any oh, printing. Wow. My dad was the boss man. Like he made sure everything that went through. My dad took care of it. Like he made sure that everything. Interesting. Was done. Yeah, yeah. My dad was an artist initially, and then eventually got into the business world. But so my dad ran this studio in downtown Chicago. That did advertising and stuff like that. Like he met George Carlin before George Carlin became George Carlin. Like right before when he was the clean cut traditional stand up. So like the fifties, like yeah, he went out. They went out to lunch and stuff like because he was doing an ad campaign for them back then. Um, But every once in a while, they would get these other like things where they would just need kids. And I think one of the first things I ever did was um, uh, there was a bread brand called Wholesome, Mm. and I think that's what you're talking about because I have a I still have a mini billboard. Of me eating bread. Oh, I'm talking about the one. There's a dog. You're in the one with a dog where you got some sweet Oh, the big one. You know, I don't really. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I don't know what. I still to this day, and I'm sure my dad has told me a million times what that was for. <laughs> yeah. I think it was for some catalog, but it was definitely some serious plaid pants. Yeah. And, a, and a, it was oh, like a brown turtleneck or something. Oh no, it was green, green, dude. Mm. It was some, it was like evergreen uh, uh, turtleneck sweater and evergreen an evergreen plaid pants with little boy buckle brown shoes dude i was stepping out and that was not our dog it was supposed to be our dog and ended up being another dog because our dog was like yeah I didn't i'm not doing this no. shit give me i'm going to yeah. lick my own butt yeah our dog I'll was like no, no i'm one of the wild ones i'm not doing this <laughs> i will not be respectful. you still don't know what you don't even you don't even know what that one was for he's told me and i just forgot but the one i specifically remember the most because of the perks that i got from it was the wholesome bread Campaign what, where I basically perks. I got to eat as many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> as I wanted. That was that. That's what I cared about because back then I loved eating. I had I had a I had a gut. I was an eater. I was what? a big. Really? Oh yeah, I'm, I was a big eater. Big big eater. Also, eat I mean, look, you're from Wisconsin. I just think that's why I was just a big boy. I was just uh, a big yeah. Eater. You're a big boy because uh, there's tons of food around, and all you do is eat because you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, and it's not you know back then. I mean, you're 50, so back then, pre- people probably still, like, let kids smoke cigarettes and, like, 
<laughs> fed him just buckets of lard and like mayonnaise on everything. And you know, I it's it, it it's funny you would bring that up because a lot of people say that things were not as as um, processed or as bad back then. Yeah, you ate a lot of it. Oh, they was I, but I don't know. I think you and I grew up in the first generation where it was really overprocessed. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, so the wholesome bread thing was like that's. I so basically it's a shot of me with a big smile on my face. <laughs> With and they would and I watched them do it. They they were very you know food preparation is very specific. So they bring in these professional people that oh, do yeah. like, make food perfect, right? Yeah, it's yeah. And I was yes. fascinated watching this woman in this kitchen just make a there, picture make sa- perfect picture perfect sandwiches, and then she would cut out the bite mark, and then it was a specific way that I had to. So you, I was like, you weren't I taking the I was, bites. Yeah, I was hovering because I thought I was going to get the bites. How many sandwiches am I going to get here? Yeah. They're like none. You hold this one and don't fuck it up, kid. Well, I must have annoyed her because at some point she's like, you know what? You'll get to eat them all when we're fucking done because nobody else is going to want these things, right? Because they're just going to sit around all day long, right? So I did it, and then uh, I don't know where the campaign was—a midwestern billboard campaign. But the b- best part of the story is my dad was doing something for Hershey's. And he was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and he got and he flew in he, and as the as the cat, the taxi was driving uh, to the Hershey plant, my dad looked up and and he he said to the cab driver, he goes, "Hey, that's my son on that billboard." And I said, "What did the taxi guy say?" He goes, "Nothing." Nothing. Said, he goes, right. Sure, he goes, it but is. I thought it was. But he goes, "But I thought it was cool." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So was it net? Was it national, no, or just Midwest? Probably. I think East a Coast. lot of that stuff. They yeah. I don't know where wholesome. I I I kind of remember wholesome bread. I don't know much I, yeah, about. Yeah, I don't it. really. I don't. Think it does not like, exist anymore. So, yeah. Do you think you ran them out of business with your? Yeah. Well, that campaign. Your modeling. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> if that kid's eating it, we're not eating it. <laughs> but yeah, I do. What? That's a good point because when you watch a commercial and you're just doing that was a print, that was just a shot, right? So you had to hold the thing like perfectly mm-hmm. and then put your head a certain way. Yeah. Then, but like when you do a food a commercial that involves food. Like even but when you've you, done one, right? Have you done a food commercial? Oh well, I mean, I've done like fast food commercials. I've done both the Burger but King. Doesn't matter. They still the the Burger King commercial I did. They the cups that they bring in are this special coated cup that is like two hundred dollars per. So it's like each cup is two hundred bucks, and they like are this coated. They're coated in a way that there's no shine, but they look good. Like they were like they put the cup down. They're like. Don't the guy literally goes, Don't touch the fucking cup, okay? And I go, Yeah, all right, no problem. Then they bring the burger out that I'm supposed to be eating, and the same thing. It's got like it's already had the bite marks in it, and I'm just supposed to hold it at a certain angle and pretend like I've just taken a bite. Like yeah. there's no the, I did one I did one where I had to eat a burrito. I, it was a boost mobile commercial. I dropped I was a coroner and I dropped a burrito into an open, like a body I was looking at. So it went into the chest cavity and then I pick it up and then I'm like, I take a bite of it and then I talk with my mouth full. So I did have to bite there, but they were but like- But do they tell you specifically how to do something? They, 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 they it, But that's not a food commercial. That's, that's so the thing. That, that, it wasn't a commercial for the burrito. Did you ever watch people when they're actually eating in food commercials and how they eat? Yeah, it's weird. Because they don't want you to eat disgusting, right? Like right. in their minds, they're like, no, you got, and it's because no one, no one eats the way- Human, no. Humans eat in food commercials. No, there's nobody eating in a McDonald's commercial the same way someone in an actual McDonald's is eating. That is just not a thing. It doesn't, unless you're going with, and then the other, the opposite is what Carl's Jr. did, which where they got like beautiful women in bikinis to eat sloppy cheeseburgers or whatever. Yeah. And that was just nobody. About beautiful women in bikinis. And again, no women like that are eating cheeseburgers. Like right. it doesn't make any sense. So it's like just the comical, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what the point of that ad campaign was. But yeah, the, the, the food thing is really interesting but the burrito thing no they had me spit they had me spitting it into a bucket but i just kept eating it 
Yeah. Because it was a burrito. It was like a breakfast burrito. They had like, they're all wrapped up. And, but again, you're right. It wasn't a food commercial. So. so I will tell you that I believe it was that wholesome food campaign that uh, I got paid. Oh. Um, was it that one? I, what, I can't because I did. There was a couple other ones. I, I did a lot of skill craft. Like remember when you used to skill craft was like the you could get little kids get their own uh, saw kit like ah, the hammers. Okay, okay. I did those and I did um, the ones where you could make your own uh, a poison. You remember the, remember the lab kits that you could get when you were a kid? Okay, but they didn't. You couldn't make poison. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago. I mean, they probably said don't eat. Well, yeah. So you're making your own poison if you. But can't also, eat you're it. not supposed to eat Play-Doh. You know, I mean, my point is, you remember yeah. the, you you know what I'm talking about. I, I remember vaguely like a like a kind of a bio like a yeah they were like a, a biology lab. kit yeah so yeah. I, I would do all, I would do those types of commercials or not are there, are those types of print ads as well, and I can't remember which one it was, but it paid me I think like 120 dollars or something like that. And this is right after, this is right after Star Wars came out. Oh man. So I got the check, and my mom was like, "Well, what do you want to do with the money?" I'm like, "We are going to Kmart." And I am buying everything I possibly can for with Star Wars. Well, because look at for that one hundred and twenty dollars. So imagine you thought dude, it was that was an endless amount of money. You yeah. were like, "What? A hundred dollars?" And I think, if I remember correctly, like the average price of like a Star Wars figure back when I was buying, I think it was like one a dollar ninety five or something like that. So do the math. Like I got that guy. I got like a lens, a land speeder. I got like <laughs> I remember just going to town. I, I still own all the stuff. I know. I was going to say you still all. You yeah, still won't have let my every kids touch thing. it. But they, uh, I took it out once, and they like started being rough with it. And I was like, that, "That's it." I was like, "I saved this to watch you guys play with it." And then they started playing with it. I'm like, "That's enough." Now Let's we'll save it to watch like your it. kids play with it and yell at them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I literally, I, I'll never forget going into that store and go and just standing there for a second, going, "This is this is my." I'm, I could buy I, this whole place in my mind. That's yeah. what I thought, right? Yeah. Maybe it was either Kmart or Toys R Us, wherever it was. I just remember back then the Star Wars displays, and you know, people think they're big now. Back then, I mean, they took up when when that hit. There was whole, whole rows of, of all aisles you. were just action figures because that was the first time that that stuff had exploded like that. Well, dude, that's why we had Don Don Black on. Um, he's the he does the voice of the toys that made us. The first episode of the toys that made us is about the Star Wars toys, yeah. and the Star Wars toys made more than the movies. The the first the first two movies like like. Much, much more. Like yeah. the deal was, in George Lucas signed it. He got like a nickel per toy, and after that, he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm going to renegotiate this so I can get like 75 percent of that." Yeah, because it was like we're talking in the millions, you know. And, it, and like at that time, was like, "Holy shit!" And the way they came up with those toys, how tall should they be? The guy was like asking a dude at a desk, and the guy just threw out his fucking. He's like this tall, and just yeah. put two fingers out, just made a guess. Yeah, he was like, "I don't know, maybe this tall," and it was like. They don't. It's not like all toys had to be this. There was no regulation. It was like let's do this. Yeah. And they were like okay, because I'm. I remember those toys being. I never got that into the Star Wars toys. <clears throat> oh, I was I was huge into them because it was the, the thing is you have to remember that when the Star Wars toys came out, first off they were they you could move them. Yeah, they had and oh, the only could, yeah, the, but. The, but the but the size of it was was unique in the fact that before the Star Wars came out, it was either. Immovable green army men, right, or massive GI Joe action figures, right? Because that's what people don't understand. Is the GI Joes used to be like full on dolls. Yeah, almost. they're basically a, almost a foot. <clears throat> they're like twelve, almost like twelve, somewhere between eight to twelve inches tall, yeah. right? Yeah, with their action beards and stuff. So they, uh, um, and Kung Fu Grip, like all the fun stuff that they had. But that was, I mean, that was the window, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. Because, yeah, and then the G.I. Joe. Wait, but my whole problem, I think, with the Star Wars is by the time I was able to get my hands on Star Wars toys, I was also able to get my hands on the newer G.I. Joe toys. And the G.I. Joe's, yeah. like, the arms moved. They had guns. Yeah. They had weapons. They, they had, had evolved. hats. They could get into helicopters. It had evolved. And, and you know, I was, like, again, being eight years younger than you or seven years younger than you, it's like there there is that that disconnect of, like, by the time I was getting my hands on toys, Star Wars, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, I like the movies, but I was never like, um, oh my god, this is the greatest. Like, I enjoyed the first one I saw because they had re-released it. Um, like it came out what seventy seven? Yeah. Well, the, I think the difference is for you. Like, I lived it in the moment, and yeah. So I was right in the in the in the midst of the hype of it. Yeah. You know? That's the difference for everything. I think. Like when I tell people, like you haven't seen Goonies all the way through. Yeah. Now. You didn't watch it as a kid, so the movie you weren't there in that mindset as a kid. Like I want to have this adventure. Like it's just it loses something. Like the stuff that that's why nostalgia is only nostalgic for the people that live through it. Because but again, which which is totally fun. I think for me, like it's funny when I look back on it now. I always joke about my brother being a cop because he was watching SWAT and the rookies yeah. and you know police women and all that stuff. So Car fifty four. <laughs> But for me, growing up, I was my fascinations. Now, when I look back on it, my fascinations were not kid-driven movies, which were bigger actually in the '80s than they were in the '70s. But I, my, my thing was science fiction, and I loved all the. And we talked about this. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before. Like my fascinations were like Cannonball Run, Superman. Like I, that that's the stuff that I was into. Used cars, Bad News Bears. Like they were a little bit more rougher on the edges. I like I yeah. I liked a little bit more of a raw type, and I was young, but I liked a little bit more of a raw type of comedy. I like mysteries. I didn't. I was never really into like straight up kids adventures for whatever reason. I was fascinated with more depth of character, not knowing it. Right, right, right. Then. You were you weren't sitting there going, "I prefer more depth of character." Right, right. I'm seven. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. But kid. for whatever reason, yeah, you know, that's what you were drawn to. And what I also find very funny is that, and because this is still true to this day, you were either a Star Wars person or you're a Star Trek person. And I watched a little bit of Star Trek, but I was never into it the same way I was with Star Wars. And I'll never understand that. You would think that if you like. You go, oh, you must like all sci-fi. No. You must like all superheroes. It's no. a weird thing. No. We were like, it turns out I don't. There are I some people that won't it. watch, you know, DC movies, but they love Marvel yeah. and vice versa. Which is and, weird. I don't And no, you're right. You're right, man. It's um Yeah, I don't And I don't and I don't and I don't think there's an, an intentional it must be the style of storytelling. That's the only thing I can think of is that there is a different style of storytelling that just does not it, you're you're just not attracted to it. Well, Star Trek and Star Wars, there is a there is a there is a pretty big difference in between those. And and what happened was when again I learned this from the toys that made us. What happened was when Star Trek came out, they weren't ready with toys. They didn't have toys. But I and there was the a, toys are not what got me into it. Though. No, 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 no. You're correct. But also that first movie they made, yeah, was boring. Oh, I remember seeing as that. shit, yeah. dude. That first Star Trek movie is like three hours long, and it is. I, I had seen the show a little bit, and then I tried watching that movie as a young kid, and I was like, what? They were trying, to, they were trying to do a Stanley Kubrick movie, and it's just like, dude, Stanley Kubrick movies are not for children. Dude, then there was no way I would have watched 2000. I wouldn't have watched Space Odyssey as a child either, because I would have gone, can we please have some action? Can somebody, can something blow up very Somebody quickly, do though. something. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> That's the entire. That's all Space Odyssey. So you're like, uh, 
And then in the end, you're like, wait, what am I watching? And it just gets so weird. You're like, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, what's when it spirals and you're oh, like, man. Uh-oh. and then all of a sudden it's a baby, and you're like, wait, what? Uh, yes, uh, uh. that's the worst thing about some of those movies <laughs> that you that catch you off guard because you're not really. If you're not a your brain if can't you're not handle a, it. If you're not a film, what do you call them? Like a person buff? that's uh well, not a film buff, but like someone that's that's looking for the deeper meaning sometimes in movies versus the entertainment value. That all of a sudden you get really like embarrassed and confused while you're watching. You're like, I don't know where this is going. Apparently, I was supposed to know more yeah, before we got maybe to this I part. Maybe I should have paid attention to different parts <laughs> of the movie. I just thought Hal was being disruptive. Thought it was about an angry robot. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, uh, but. <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely there are people that were, and I guess I have I married into a family that seems to like both uh, Star Wars and Star Trek pretty much. But the but my mother in law Connie is all Star Trek. Like that's their deal, man. They watched the show as kids. They watched Deep, Deep Space Nine and all the the Patrick Stewarts and all the whatever's and I yeah. all the spinoffs and <clears throat> it's a see all the new movies. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, I never, I, I dabbled, but I never, I never committed to any of it. I, I again, I like sci-fi, so I'll always watch a little bit of something. But I, I Just never so campy. When I was a kid, it was like I'd seen Star Wars, and then to watch William Shatner and Spock on the show, I was like, what? Oh, my. <laughs> it was just like, just and it was obviously by the time, even for me, it was already all you know reruns as. But but oh yeah yeah I was, yeah, I wasn't watching first run Star Trek. But I became like for me, I'm a Saturday morning cartoon kid. Uh, I yeah. am Batman and Wild Wild West rerun kid. Like that's the kind Wild of Wild stuff. West. Wild Wild West was it was uh, um I, I, I you know partly I grew up in Illinois and then when I was eight I moved to Wisconsin so I was both and then cable came in right away so you uh. can and the, if you had a good antenna. Even if you live in Wisconsin, you could still get Channel 32, Channel 44, which are the UHF, hello everybody, the UHF channels in Chicago, and you could probably get WGN. They had a pretty strong antenna signal. Everything else, 2 and and, uh, and Fuzzy. 4, I think, and 7, where you could not get them. But everything else you could get. And then, so I, I that's so on Channel, uh, channel 32, uh, WFLD, I believe, is what a Channel 32. Yes, yes, was, yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, we had a we had a yeah a dial. They played on the weeknights because you know weeknight programming for UHF. For those of you like who don't know what UHF is, you have to look at UHF like what what cable is now, what USA Network is, TNT, all that kind of stuff. They play reruns in the evenings. So if you're not watching all the the adult programming like Chico and the Man or whatever the hell was on at the right, time, right, like, you know right. Barney Miller, <laughs> Barney Miller, you 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 know. <laughs> Before all that stuff came on, that's when they would play all the reruns. Right. You know? so yeah. I, so you can I, see Star Trek at that point. Star Trek. Yeah. Batman. Wild Wild like, West. I mean, you're talking Adam West. You're talking the show yeah. Batman. Yeah. 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 That show was awesome, by the way. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. But still to this day, uh, my greatest moment was was going to see Ralph Garman uh, interview Adam West, and when he came off stage, walked right. I was the only for whatever reason I don't know why he was not told to do this because I was given like front row seats by uh, um, the guy that was running the club. Love it. At that time, and uh, he walked down. He just he got off stage, walked right up to me, reached his hand out, shook my hand, and said thank you, and then just walked away. Like everyone else was trying to shake his hands, and he just went away. And I was like, I don't know why that happened, but but I will never wash this hand again. No, man. I mean, honestly, that was like for me, from a, a childhood standpoint, you'd made it. There's very few people that uh, I always used to joke about because of the business you and I work in. We meet a lot of people, and for me. You know, Adam West was on was on top of the list. Uh, William Cat, greatest American hero, yeah. huge deal to me. 
as you know, because you can see in my, in my room, I've yeah. got, I have the Greatest American Hero box set, which has a cape and also an iron-on where you can make your own shirt if you wanted to. What? So... That was like so being able to meet William Cat was. I always tell people, I was like, I've met Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I was I was more excited to meet William Cat. Yeah, than Arnold. And that's not a knock on Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I, I get it. He was he was famous, and we all watched his early movies, and he was a huge movie star. But, but you were impact watching, wise, but the Greatest American Hero meant something to you. Meant something to me. Terminator personally. was a cool movie. Yeah, but it didn't Greatest mean American Hero the way was Greatest like American, yeah. Yeah, that that you could there was. There was a relate a relatability to Greatest American Hero. Like yeah. we had all been given a book of how to run a superhero outfit, and then shrunk down, and then lost the goddamn book, and then had to figure the suit out on it. Like there was just something like this could be us. Like, yeah, this could be me. I could be the. So guy. I will tell you funny funny side note to the William Cat thing before I met him. So it one of my <laughs> first jobs I ever got was working on a movie that that never got made, and it was it was a um, so I was I was learning. That's where I, I, the guy taught me how to. I, I, that's where I worked for Joe Alves, who's a production designer for Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I, I gotta, I gotta, gotta have that guy on. I got a, 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 I was a PA in the art department on this on this failed movie. But one of the producers was best friends with William Cat. At the time, I didn't know it, but I was just learning Photoshop. So one of the first things I photoshopped was a picture of my face on William Cat's as body the as the greatest American hero, hero. and I had that hanging up in my cubicle. And I'll never remember that I did not know that William Cat had come to visit one day, and he was walking with my buddy. Walked past, stopped, saw that, and went, "Oh boy!" And then just kept walking. <laughs> oh so when eventually I finally met him, I asked my buddy because he knew I was going to meet him, and he's like, two things: just don't bring up Greatest American Hero." I'm like, "I won't," but you didn't also tell him that I'm the guy, and he's like, "No," and I and I didn't. And yeah. here's the thing: I don't think he would have cared if I'd have brought it up. He was totally chill. We actually just hung out and talked for a while. I was doing something with him. I was working with him on something. We just hung out and talked for a really long time. You know, he's a very serious actor. And it goes back to the thing with him. He was one of those first guys that talked about the curse of the cape. Yeah. About that thing is when you play superheroes, people label you and they kind of like, they pigeonhole you and they don't take you seriously in other categories. And a lot of people forget he was in Carrie. Yep. He was also in Piranha, which I believe he was in. So, I mean, that was a little more of a, of a campier movie. But uh, Piranha or Piranha 2? He was in one of them. I can't remember which one. I, thought I think he was, he was in, in Piranha 2. But the bottom line is he was in Carrie, which was like, you know, that was a great, great movie. Stephen right? yeah, great Stephen King movie, yeah. Stephen King movie. But anyway, so it's like that kind of stuff. Like, sometimes people are like, don't say anything, which I, I wonder sometimes if they're saying that or if the person is saying that. That you got to learn that in this business as well. Yeah, I, I think, I, I feel like that was a thing back then. Like, don't mention these, like, even... I would have thought that Adam West couldn't could, was kind of stuck in the Batman thing. Like you, there was a there. You're right. The Curse of the Cape was a real thing. Like no one wanted Christopher Reeve to be in another movie after Superman. He was fucking Superman. Yeah. Like he definitely had the Curse of the Cape. Oh yeah. I mean, he had the Curse of Superman. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, who's played yeah. Superman has died some weird, crazy death. Well, okay. Well, then I get out of control. I don't know about that. That's... But well, I mean, whatever. George Reeves killed himself. There was another guy who, true. who died. Christopher Reeves was paralyzed by a horse and then died complications later. And then. I mean, and the weird thing is, speaking of shows that I watched, so early morning, early in the morning, I would get up extra early, and the kids' programming before six o'clock in the morning was Superman followed by Fury, and Fury was a horse. Superman, horse. Superman, George Reeves died. Ooh. Fury was a horse show that was on right after that, and Fury was kind of like a lassie thing where like a horse was saving lives. I mean, it doesn't make any sense in the, right. in the big picture, but anyway, these were like these old black and white things that they would show early in the morning just to fill time, right? Because they started getting into closer and closer to that 
I grew up in a time where like there was not 24 hour programming. No, so did I. That's what I'm saying. They turned TV. TVs like went to like nothing. Well, you had when I would wake up early on Saturdays before because Super Friends. I remember being one of the first 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 cartoons on. It was like at seven. Before that was Bars and Tone. Yeah, which you would watch until your show. You were like what? And then then. the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yes, and then as the, they played the national, national anthem. anthem. Yeah, and then it was like now programming, yep. and then we'd go into Super Friends. And I, I, I believe, as I, obviously, because I've I've worked in um in that side of programming, there was some there's there's a reason why those two things, the national anthem and the Declaration, because I believe it that everybody had that. I, th- that's not unique to yeah uh, Illinois or Chicago. no right right. I believe that was part of the deal because the United States government. Owned, you're leasing, right? The airwaves, airspace, right? Yeah. So I believe there was a reason why that stuff was was done. Well, yeah, you got to get kids to love America. You got to love America, yeah. And then brainwashing Super Friend, very early. And right? Super Friends was a great follow up to loving America because it was Super just Friends like, and Scooby Doo. Man, I, ooh. I mean, I, honestly, I, I feel bad for kids that don't get that don't have the excitement of being able to get up and and have programming that they have to get up and run downstairs yeah. to see and now everything is on demand. I want to watch different. it now and yeah. then they can. There's yeah. no anticipation. There's no like, oh. But that same goes with weekly programming, you know. Yeah. I look forward to Dukes of Hazard. I look forward to uh, A-Team. I look forward to shit, MacGyver. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I liked like, oh man, what's next week? Oh man, we got to... And then would there be a cliffhanger? You'd be like, oh, motherfucker! You'd be so mad because you'd have to wait seven days to see it again, you know? Yeah. And like... I will be honest with you, like one of my favorite things as a kid when it just comes to programming because it's just, it's so different now because it was limited. Like now there's so much information and you can get so much information now as a kid. So be it, fine, that may make you a better person. But for me growing up, I, I loved watching shows like In Search Of, which was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. And it was Ooh. these shows that would come on and it was always about is Bigfoot real? Can we find aliens? And every week I'm like, please tell me we found one today. Please tell me please we tell found me something a- happened. Please tell me we have finally cracked the code and we have discovered that it does exist. We have finally caught an alien. He's about to speak to us. <laughs> we have Bigfoot. Hi. Let's reel him out on a cage. Like I was always, I was on the, I was I always sat at the edge of my seat hoping that every week, which is funny when you think about it, it's like, if this really happened, we wouldn't wait for it Leonard would be Nimoy national to do news. it. Yes. You'd be reading about it in the paper. Your parents would be screaming yes. about it. But you're like, no, Nimoy's going to break yeah, the Leonard story. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy, in three weeks from now... Stay tuned, gonna, guys. Yes. We yeah. might have aliens. Yes. But I, we're but not going to let the government know. But that was one of my... Th- I, I was obsessed with that stuff growing up. And Interesting. then... That's incredible, and real people. Real people do back-to-back. Byron so Allen is the only person I can remember from real people, but... Yeah, dude, I remember that was, on, and that was like, I think, I feel like that was on either Saturday afternoons or Sunday. No, no, it was, it was a Saturday night show. It was, Saturday it was, night, It was a okay. block of programming. See, I came from like the big blocks of programming where it was like Love Boat, Fantasy Island. Dude. And then, uh, That you sounds know, ABC, uh, right? Yeah, it was ABC. Yeah. And so it was, so all those shows were. Yeah, Real People. Real People. And, yeah. and, uh, and they were back to back. That's incredible on Real People. ABC did Battle of the Network Stars. They did, they did, they did yeah, all ABC. All the Evil Knievel jumps. Oh, yeah. I know, I don't think I ever watched an Evil Knievel jump. Did you watch one? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Back then, they built them up. So oh man, much. there's a great Evil Can Evil documentary. You got yes. you got to watch it because yeah. it just it really captures what it was like back then. And he was kind of an arrogant douchebag, which he needed to be in order to do what he did. I'm gonna jump the Grand to be Canyon, an ar- and 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 it, just the, the tension he would create, the fights, the arrogance. It all played. It all played well. It ma- it mattered. The, the, the Battle of the Network Star stuff was just so funny. Oh my god. 
so funny to watch. Ridiculous. Some people were athletic, and then there were just other people. I mean, you're going into the you're you're taking like the Lou Ferrignos, (laughs) and you're pairing them with people who are like classically trained actors who happen to be on some sitcom who've never thrown a ball, who've never tugged a rope, who've never fucking done a sit up, and they're out there trying to be athletic. Love it. You're like, wow, you look like goofballs. Love it. It's just I love. I was I was a pop culture. Obsessed, and that's a. Be- they're all right Pop there. Culture obsessed. Yeah. Loved all that stuff. Yeah, those. To me, I, obviously, it's funny in talking to you. I look back at it now. Like I did watch a lot of TV. It turns out. I mean, I was outside a lot too, but it, but I did watch a lot of TV. Sure. I was not a video game guy. As a matter of fact, I specifically remember uh, when video games changed our neighborhood. I, I I know the day. Yeah, you were like outside going, where is, where is everybody? We used to, our parents used to kick us out. I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids around the same age, and our parents kicked, we had a park down the street, Village Green, kick us out of the house. Just go go on. We were already annoying by 6 a.m. We were yeah, annoying. You were annoying as shit. All, they didn't want you in the house at all, all day. You leave in the morning, you come back at dark. Yeah. That was it. And and it's like, we would, every day we'd go out. We I, I must have played hundreds of thousands of baseball games because you just had to do it. And then we got to the point where we were playing golf ball baseball, which is very dangerous. There was a lot of, and oh, then we man. used to throw rocks at each other. These yeah, rock we, fights. Rock yeah, fights yeah. were always the smartest. But they, um, my next door neighbors, they got Space Invaders. And um, I went in the first day and they're like, got to show you this thing. Right. And they showed it. And uh, I was watching it. I'm like, I don't, it was mine. To me, I was like, I don't get it. What's You're just happening? going back and forth and yeah. just shooting something. That family never came out of that house again. They never played with us again. They still live in the, in the house. They're, no, no, they're yeah, stuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't left. But that was the first time I had seen the addiction of like, yeah. They were also the one, first ones in the neighborhood to get uh, Teddy Ruxpin, which I never understood. Like the talking, the bear. Yeah, they're like, no, 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 no. There's him, and then there was the computer guy, Cubert uh, or something. I can't remember what it was. It was a computer guy that talked too. Not it was Max the, Headroom. No, 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 no. Oh. Something that you could like. Oh, program? It, it, it interacted. It was like, oh. I was in the early years of like interaction, like wow. where like electronics were interacting with you, right? You know, so they would always have that stuff, but that was a the thing. They just were gone. Gone. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I kind of had a similar, I don't remember like it changing the neighborhood or anything, but I remember when like we got Atari, I just remember not being very good at video games. So I was like, yeah, okay, this is fun for like, 10, 15 minutes at a time. But then I had a, my buddy Adam, we, I had a sleepover, and Adam brought his Atari games, and he had Miss Pac-Man. And you could play Miss Pac-Man with just one ghost. And he played Miss Pac-Man for like eight hours. And I was like sitting there like, dude, one, can I play? And two, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Like watching someone else play video games to me, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. That's, but that's what happened. That's when it started. That's when you started seeing the kids that were like, I'm good. And the, the whole not sharing thing or always wanting to beat you like senseless in the video game thing, like that was a, that's where that subculture started. And the funny thing is, is like a lot of those kids were not, a lot of people would say they were arcade kids. They weren't. No. They weren't arcade no. kids because there were plenty of arcade games back then. And yeah. you could go, but arcades were not, at least where I grew up, they weren't that frequent. Like, no, they were you, not all you, over the if place. you live in a place where there's a big arcade, that's one thing. But yeah, where I lived, there was no arcade in town. Yeah, there was one, but it was nowhere near. So it's like, unless your parents Took were you willing to go. Yeah. And your mom, like, my mom was not a shopper, right? So she yeah, she'd have to walk to around a mall for two yeah, hours yeah, while you, yeah, yeah no. She's like, happen. we're taking you to get pants, shoes, we're going to Target or Ross or TJ Maxx or whatever, and we're done. Yeah. I also, uh, speaking of, of shopping, and I know this is very random, but since we're talking, it's reminding me of certain moments in my life. 
There was a time, and none of you will understand this because of the internet, but they used to sell pornographic magazines behind the checkout counters at, yeah. at stores like at, Kmart. Like, uh, like, what, at Kmart, at, really? Yeah. Oh, I remember. Like, I know they used to do it at like 7-Eleven. But their stuff. way of getting away with it was they would cover up everything but the name of it, and I'll never forget my mom going, she's in line with like you know four of us dirty asses, children. Yeah. And she's like, I can't, what are you? Why are you selling these? Like it was like Playboy and Hustler and Wee, yeah. like the whatever Wee was it O O U I or Oi or whatever. We yeah we yeah okay yeah. And she was like, "This is I can't. These are children." And at first I was like, "I don't know what these are, but these must be bad, you guys." I'm mom's, yeah. We got to get our hands on some of this. <laughs> Mousy's pretty pissed. And I remember that the the cashier going, "Yeah, but you can't, you can't see anything. It's covered up." She's like, "Barely. It's pretty obvious what it is. What you're covering up." She's also, like, the I guy's like, shop here lady, again. this isn't my policy. I don't own the store. Well, but, you know, she, if you think about it, she brought up a pretty good point. Well, dude, that's why they don't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason that you can't just go into a Ralph's and yeah. buy a porno mag. Yeah. Like, no, my mom was right on that one. She was like, this is ridiculous. They shouldn't even be seeing the stuff with... My kids should not be anywhere where Playboy and Hustler... Yeah, well, that's a real nice sentiment, but now they're on the internet. Right, but my point is, back then, <laughs> Yeah. you know... Yeah, but I mean, kids in general are on the internet. So if they want to see boobs, they can type in boobs to a Google search and see boobs. I still remember the first time we found out one of the kids in the neighborhood dirty magazines when he let it, he, he, he inadvertently told us. Right, because no kid ever wants to break into their parents' room, especially the ones that are really afraid to get in trouble, right? Yeah. And of course, he tells us. I remember we're all sitting around. He goes, yeah, I think my parents have some. We're like, let's go. Let's go check it your out. Parents at let's home. Go He's check like, it out. no, like we're going we're to going. your house. He's like, guys, no, I don't really think. We're like, we're going to your house, whether you want to or not. And this you can dude, come with or you can stay here, <laughs> dude. It to this day is one of my favorite moments as a kid because it was it was more than you, you that we had bargained for because we went in there. And it was a classic. I think you and I have talked about it before. It was a classic. Like, where where are they? He's like, well, they're in the shoebox in my parents' room. Yeah, that shoebox right there. Like, the- but not like. The, the, you, putting things under a bed or in a shoebox in the closet, that's not, that's, our parents are bad at hiding stuff, is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, they, yeah. they didn't do a good job of hiding, right? Well, they also thought that you had the fear in you that you wouldn't go through their shit. Yeah, parents ruled by fear back then. And their fear and lack of information about who they were in their past. Like, you never got to find out anything <laughs> about them, which scared the shit out of you because you don't know enough to judge them right now. And then didn't. whatever they said, you had to believe. So it's like, right. when I was your age, like, I guess right. that doesn't, yeah. you walked up the hill both ways? Yeah. That's crazy. It's all about the struggle. That's no why you never found snow. out about whether they were douchebags or what right. they did wrong. It was all always about the struggle so it was always about maintaining a certain level of respect and fear in your parents right it was it was good it was, they did good they did a good job and plus they also didn't they had like three pictures of themselves and one of them was ripped right so it was like <laughs> and and, it, and, it, and and you're like i think i had more family but we don't know we, we don't, can't we'll find the other know. half of the we'll photograph um but so i i remember him um grabbing the box going down and we start going through them and then we find the one where people are pissing on each other. And I remember oh. one of my, we're all like, oh my God, cool, cool. And then one of my friends goes, what are they doing? Ugh. Why are they doing that? And we're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then it, then it was like complete, like, we are in deep shit right now. It's one thing to get caught looking at nudies. Yeah. Now but, there's like people are But there peeing are on people each other. peeing on each other. We're fucked. Yeah. We are fucked because here's the thing. And you know this. They catch us, right? The mom and dad aren't going to tell your mom and dad that you found their pee magazines. What they're going to do is haunt you forever. 
They'll be like, well, I'm not going to tell on you, but you're fucked around me for the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. I am going to make you feel like shit <laughs> if I ever see you and you're around me. Like, that's actually worse, right? Yeah. They, for them, like, basically, you're sharing the busted secret yeah. that they can't. Nobody's allowed to go to their parents because you can't be like, well, they didn't want to hurt me because I saw a magazine where he's peeing on things. That fucks up the whole dynamic of the yeah, neighborhood. So, like, like yeah, everybody's saw, protecting the neighborhood at that point, right? Yeah. So, like, you have to just kind of let it go. So we scrambled to get that stuff back in there and get the fuck out of there. But I just remember for days on end, my one friend constantly going, but I just don't understand. What were they doing? And, my, and the guy whose parents it was, he goes, well, I don't know. And I don't know if they do it or not. And I just want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> and he would just... <laughs> oh, dude. No names are going to be involved, but when I and I wasn't there, I know that. But when I was in high school, a couple of my friends went over to a friend's house whose parents were out of, you know, working or whatever during the day. They blew off middle of the day. Somebody found a videotape. Somebody put it in, and it was this dude's parents oh, going no. at it. And man, how long does that last before somebody's like, "Turn it off, well, please, please." It lasted until he walked into the room and went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> He went crazy, but the, and then it was like it was like one of the the, the worst guy to make crazy too, because he just you know, yeah, man, he was not pumped, and everyone else was like, "Dude, we saw a videotape, <laughs> dude's parents fucking." Oh my like, god, oh, he has on. to to this day, he right, he has to, he knows that you guys. Are. I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, he was there again. I like Wait, I said, guessing? I, He's, he was. I there, wasn't right? there. I wasn't oh, there. No. He was there. A couple but bunch he knows. of other friends. Oh, oh yeah. He knows. He's never going to forget that. I don't think you can. What do you do with the tape? Do what, you know what, how it all played out? I don't. I don't know the end. I can't remember. You got to put it back, right? Yeah, at the I end mean, of the that's day. That's the thing. Is like, and, then, and then also, like, because Doug Stanhope used to do a joke about this. He's like, when his mom lived with him, he's like, nothing like going to put your favorite porno in a VCR only to find out it's not where you left it, meaning it's, it's at a different place in the movie, and the only other person living in your apartment is your mom. <laughs> Oh God! Um, but yeah, so then you'd have to—I mean, you'd have to rewind it, and make sure that it was like, oh man, that was one of the few days I'm glad I didn't blow off school. You know, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, like all that stuff, you know, the video games, the finding the dirty magazines, the having to do research in an Encyclopedia Britannica—those are like different times. Getting like, dropped off at the library to do book reports. Yeah, or or just or or having to pre VCR days for me. Having to know if you really wanted to watch a show and it, you had to be there for it. Yeah. Like all those little things that, that kind of dictated how you lived your life, all those things matter. And, and I lived in a, I, I realized that both places when I lived in Glenview, Illinois and in Racine, Wisconsin, both areas that we lived in uh, had certain parts of it that were continuing to be developed. So there was always houses being built. Yeah. Back then, we yeah, used yeah, to yeah. climb through houses. It, they're not protected the way they are now. And houses would just not be worked on for, like, just especially on the weekend. Huge holes in the there. ground, cement half poured. Just climbing but, yeah. the beams, going up in the attic, just running around and playing in like houses that were being worked on was like a was like a huge childhood thing. It's so it's weird because yeah, I agree with that. Like we we did a lot of that, and now to this day, one of my best friends who still lives in my hometown when I go back there, me and him will hang out, and it literally it takes us like two beers, three beers, and then we're like, hey, we should go get on the roof of the school across the street from my mom's <laughs> house, and then we're like taking. Four wheelers over there getting on the roof for no re no reason. We're not vandalizing. We're not hurting anything. We're just being on something we shouldn't be on. You know what I mean? It's like there's just some weird like my friend the, my friend's neighbor passed away and uh, he's like, dude, uh, we go into that house a lot. And I go, what? 
So me and him started going in through the back window and just like looking around. We didn't steal anything. We're not there to make a mess. It's just weird. It's just yeah. weird to be in other places you're not supposed to be. In. Oh yeah. Well, I well, still do that to this day. I finally had been done monitoring the house next door where my neighbor died. Yeah. You know, they're finally cleaning it out, and it's funny to go back in there after they clean it out because I had been for nine months, right? Like I've been going into this house that basically is the way it was the last that, time that yeah. person ever went in there, right? right. Like it, there is. There's something. There's something, like you said, you're not there to steal. Yeah. You just realize, like, this is just kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I do like, I like when they were, when they were uh, putting an addition on our high school, um, my buddy lived right behind it, and we would, we, would, we would go in there, we would take our shirts off, and we'd put them over our faces like ninja masks <laughs> because someone told us there was, because we went in there once, and someone's like, you know, there's security cameras in there, and I was like, wait, what? So then we started putting our shirts over our heads like ninjas. <laughs> But I'm like, oh. first off, that's not what ninjas do. But go. Oh ahead. right, like they're not fat, white, and pasty running through the halls of a high school with like, a t-shirt on their head. Oh man, yeah. But th- th- there's something fun about that. We used to break into the track barn on the on the football field and pull the pole vault mats and stuff out, and then jump off the top of the barn onto the mats yeah, to try to kill yourself. Yeah, I do because that's what boys do. And my buddy Andy, I was just in Denver, and we were talking about when we used to do that. And he, there was at one point they got. They were really ambitious. Like I was like, j- the roof of the barn to the mat was enough for me. But I have friends who are like, we got it's got to be bigger and taller and faster and more. And they would drop from the top of the bleachers, ba- and like one time my buddy just lets go and he goes, dude, I landed half on and half off the mat, and I was like, oh yeah, we we shouldn't be doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, nah, that could have been real bad. Uh, like growing up is is a series of near misses, which yeah. is what the one thing I do worry about having boys. How do you like, not worry about that? Well, you, you, knowing you, who you were as a kid, knowing how kids yeah. behave, how do you not every day of your life burn an ulcer in your soul like the size of a uh, I don't know what's big the sun, and then like just thinking every, about your kids out there. Well, every day when I drop them off, I'm like don't do these stupid little you'll die. Yeah, and I slam the door every day. I don't, say, I don't tell them I love them. The uh, um, <laughs> So tell me, I remember in fifth grade, um, we uh, that's when they would do the uh, um, uh, the sex ed. Oh God, yeah. And they always did the girls first. And we had one of those like nineteen sixties uh, retro um, schools where the where the gymnasium had the the windows up top of the school, so because ah. it was taller, it was taller than the rest of the uh, yeah. of the school, and so you could look. It had like the triangle roof, like the like the repeated triangle roof, and uh, so you could you could look through, and so they were showing the they want they would show the uh, the film for the girls first, I think a week in advance. So me and a couple of my buddies were like, we're getting on that roof, and we're going to see it early, okay, and so we get up there, and we start watching, and then all and people are like watching the thing, and then all of a sudden one girl's like. Like starts looking back, <laughs> and she sees the three of us like staring through the thing. First off, I want to be very clear: we had no like we yep. were like we're gonna watch this. We had no fucking idea what we were watching. Nope, you did. We were no as, idea. there was it was it we were clueless. We were confused. We knew we were doing something wrong, but we didn't. We weren't getting anything. You didn't understand out of it. what understood the, yeah. nothing because we also couldn't hear it. And as soon as she did that, she like looks, taps Points. on the adult thing. The adult is like, God damn it, like in a classic adult thing, right? Which immediately we know we're like, we're caught. Oh, we're we fucked. Gotta, we're fucked. Let's get we out of gotta here. go. And so out of nowhere, the janitor, like, I don't know, our janitor was always like the guy who was like kicking a door over. Like, <laughs> like immediately was like, I'm gonna get you punks. And like, so we just start running, right? We're running along the roof. He's chasing us down below as we are running side by side yeah. on the roof. 
and we're getting to that point, like, in, it, like you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Like, we've got we nowhere to jump. go. We got to jump. That's what we were saying. <laughs> we're like, we have no choice. And one of my friends is like, I don't want to die. And we're like, we're not going to die, but we got to jump. And we literally all just, we kept, we, we never, we just kept running. You just ran right so off. So we the... were running in midair and going. And like, one of my buddies is just, just like, no coordination. Like, mm, he's just like, done. bam, doom, down, like rolling along. I literally hit the ground to this day. I actually still have a knee injury from it because the way I hit, I smashed my knee, but I was like, I'm not getting caught today, motherfucker. And like, I was running, and this guy's like, I'm going to get you. The funny thing is, like, everybody already knows who we are. We've already been told. Like, we're all it's going to take is for you to go to your next class, and then they go, hey, man, you got to come to the principal's office. They've You're not already, like gonna never go back to school. We've already been pegged. Like yeah. it's like it's so. It, we didn't. He's yelling at you by name. Yes, I'm gonna get you, he Brian, was. Ernie, and Steve. But this just goes to show you how fucking <clears throat> stupid we were. So my other buddy, stop, drop, and roll. Finally gets up. He comes. He comes. He catches up with us. We get to the edge of the of the school campus. We jump over the little fence, and then we sit there and we hide. And that's when he's like, "I know you guys are right there. I know who you guys are. So I'm not chasing you anymore. Goodbye." And we were like. Damn it. Uh, and then we, we just ran anyway. We got away. <laughs> and convinced ourselves still, like, no, no, no. We're Fine. good. We got this. Oh, my God. All to see. And actually, it was funny because my youngest son just said to me today uh, when we were walking to school, he goes, we got to watch We got to watch a sex ad video soon. He goes, I don't want to do it, Dad. And I go, why? It'd be fine. He goes, no, nah, man, I don't want to. Like, he's just, I'm like, why? Because everyone's going to laugh and it's going to feel weird and embarrassing. He's like, something like that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, well. You're going to watch it, so enjoy. Dude, look, between (laughs) fifth grade and eighth grade, and uh, before you go into high school, it'll be a lot of like, uh, you see that video? Yeah, gross. Oh, yeah, do you guys masturbate? No, that's for gay people. (laughs) And then by the end of high school, it's like, dude, I could masturbate five times in one day. (laughs) Okay, well, first off, unless you're Paul McCartney, I don't know who's really talking about this. Dude, that's so funny. We beat off together. Everyone, I mean, the internet was so full of hack. Yeah, that's it's a, yeah, it was, you know, whatever. But yeah, I just yeah, and it's funny watching even with my uh, oldest son going through middle school. Middle school, there's one thing that hasn't changed about middle school is like certain boys and girls develop way faster than everybody else, right? Yeah. And they're they're their own group. Like everybody else that doesn't develop, there's nothing going on there. There's no kissing, there's no like there's no boyfriend girlfriend, there's nothing. There's always a couple dudes that are like I have a mustache and I will make out with everybody in this school that wants to make out. And then there's there's girls like yeah, let's totally uh, that's fine because we're all accelerated from the rest of you. Yeah. And then there's everybody else that's fucking clueless and is still just going yeah, I'm just going to hang out with the boys over here and toss a uh, football around. Yeah, I got shoot matchbox basketball. cars. Yeah. I like baseball cards. Which is, like both, ride my bike. which is totally fine. All you really could hope for is in middle school is like Captain Mustachio doesn't get anybody pregnant, right? I mean, they don't take it too far, but like the rest of it, you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, go figure it out, you know? Yeah. Middle school. Middle school is a very awkward, weird three years. I had a horrible... Yeah, I didn't um, have a. I didn't have a good. High. I didn't. Junior, have, it was junior high where I went. But it was, yeah, well, it was we we called it middle school, junior high. It was the same thing. But yeah, I went from like having fr- like popularity and like kind of fifth grade, and then like something happened over the summer, and I kind of lost touch with two of my very good friends. And isn't that weird? Like that whole how that happens. Yeah, I mean, w- and these two guys that I'm talking about are they were in my wedding. Like they're after when we got to high school, we became friends again. It was the weirdest thing. It was like it's three so years bizarre. of just never seeing them or talking to them. Yeah, I don't know what it is about growing up from elementary school to middle school to high school where like you 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 ebb and flow with friendships are very weird. Yeah. yeah. I guess you just develop different likes at certain points in your life and so like I I know for like I using my sons as an example and it's probably the same thing with me. 
I loved sports. So there's probably this thing where you start, I started probably hanging out with everybody that always wanted to do something yeah. sports related. Yeah. Because that's what I was interested in. And some of my other friends were like, yeah, I'm not into that. Or like, I, some of my friends like soccer and I <laughs> wanted to play basketball for two years. You know what I mean? Like, so I only hung out with the guys that play basketball. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But it is, it is pretty funny. Yeah. How, how you can, you can regain that friendship later. Yeah. I mean, over marijuana. It know. literally, well, no, it literally took, uh, my buddy was sitting in front of me in science class and he turned around and goes, Hey, are you going to this party on Friday? And I go, Oh, I, uh, I wasn't invited. He goes, Dude, it's a kegger in the woods. Don't sit around waiting for an invitation in the mail, all right? Just go. And I was like, what? Okay. And then, like, we started hanging out again. It was pretty, it was almost like nothing. And I was like, this is weird. Oh, keggers in the woods. Dude. Watching everybody yell cops and have everybody run through the woods like they're running <sighs> from a demogorgon and oh some my stranger God, things, like trying to The ho- most hilarious, yeah. I went to a, I was, I was, I got busted, probably underage drinking and was, like, grounded or whatever. So it was right around the end of school so there were seniors that were graduating they were having parties and I my parents were going out or whatever so I said I had to work I worked at this country club and I had to go wash dishes for the night so I told them I had to work and I I went to work at like 3 in the afternoon when this kid's kegger started and got insanely hammered and at one point the cops and a sheriff showed up and someone was like cops but this is Warrenville this is a small town they knew the guy who was having the party, they were just there to basically say, shut up, it's too loud. Right. I was the only one, I sprint full on, try to get out of there, head first, right into the chest of a sheriff, <laughs> basically fall down and get up. And he goes, what are you doing? I go, I thought, I thought you were someone else. And he goes, oh, you thought I was someone else? <laughs> this giant badge didn't let you know I was his sheriff? And I was like, uh. And he goes, just stand against the wall. And then he was basically just went to the guy, having a thing, he's like, don't anyone drive and shut up and turn the music down. And then literally I got like had an arm wrestling competition and then ran home and was in bed before my parents came home from wherever they were. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old classic. No, I'm in bed. I did nothing wrong today. I, uh, yeah. As long as I'm in bed, nothing bad ever. Nothing, happens. nothing. Don't mm-hmm. come in here and yeah. smell because yeah. it'll smell like Budweiser farts. Uh, and- uh, well, among ma- the problem is you can't smell anything in a kid's room except stench. Yeah. It's Especially all, boys. It's all boys armpits. are just gross. I was gross. You were gross. Uh-uh, My kids are me. on the verge of being gross. Everything's just going to... It's and it's fine. Life is gross. Once you accept that, it'll be fine. Uh-uh, not me. <laughs> Super clean. Uh, when did... You moved out here when you were 32? Yeah. We're probably going to wrap this up soon. I just wanted to get back into your... Uh, <laughs> uh, what was your... Was your... Did you have a plan? Or were you just like, I'm going to Hollywood? I think I was always obsessed. Uh, that, that's why I play the Hooray for Hollywood thing, because there was a show that my parents used to watch uh, that was on at like 6.30. Before, it was before like shows like Entertainment Tonight were yeah. kind of a thing. There was one called That's, That's Entertainment. That was the name of the show. And it was, it was promoting Hollywood, obviously, but I was fascinated with that. And I thought Hollywood was like really cool, and that's, that's where that song comes from. Is uh, that's where I heard it for the first time? Huh? Was that was the opening to that, oh, right, that show? Holiday. Yeah, wow. that was the show. And so, and uh, you know, I uh, um, I think there was always a, a certain level of fascination. My dad acted; uh, he was a he was a theater actor really? when we were growing up. Yeah, so it's like I think there was that whole 
I definitely, I definitely clearly was exposed to it. My dad used to listen to old time radio, a lot of theater act, like old, like radio, uh, uh, episodic radio and stuff like that. So it was kind of, I think I was kind of exposed to it. I became fascinated with it. And then obviously growing up and watching, you know, tonight show. And then that's when I got fascinated with stand up comedians. And then, yeah. And Did then you eventually was... HBO started doing the Rodney Dangerfield Young Comedian specials, and then it started shifting, and then I started become. But then you know, again in high school, and I was interested in music too, and then I wanted to be a radio DJ, and then I wanted you know, I wanted to be a lot of things all of a sudden, and I wanted to go to film school, and you know. But they were all in the inter- they were all basically within the world of entertainment. Everything you was know in the world I mean? of it wasn't like one day you want to be the Incredible Hulk, and the next day you want to be a baseball player, and then you want to be an astronaut. Like no, that, you, no, those are all true. Well, I mean, yeah, but before you moved to Hollywood. Right. No, but so the, that was kind of like I bandied about in all those lev- all those interests, right? And um, I kind of gave up on the idea of ever moving to Hollywood because you know, and you're a Midwesterner, you don't leave family. Like everybody kind of stays near home. Like that's you get you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, and you get married, and you have kids, and you get a dog and a picket fence and all that stuff, right? Like yeah. that was the path that I was on. But there was always this little thing in the in the back that kind of you know kind of stuck with me, and I didn't pursue any of it. Like I went to film school, I got kicked out of film school <laughs> for doing narratives in an avant-garde film school. But no. so be it, you know, whatever. And then I, I I went into mass communication where that was you know that was more about film and television, or I mean, I'm sorry, TV and radio. Then I got kicked out of that, and then I just got a communications degree, which was generic, yeah. just to get out of it. Because I, I hated college. But yeah, just I did give it. me the degree so I can prove I did it. I The best part I got out of college was my friendships, and I did like film school. For the two years that I was in it, I did learn how to edit and stuff like that, so I did get something out of it. Um, and yeah, I, and too bad they're not still editing on tape machines or whatever oh, you used. I loved it. I used to love doing that stuff. Splicing? But, splicing, cutting and splicing. But so anyway, I, I got that part out of it, and then I just went on. You know, I met my first wife in college, and I thought, well, this is what you do. You know, you you know you move on with your life, and now you marry your college sweetheart. I had a food broker job. I was just being, I was just putting cheese on shelves, man. That's what I was doing, you know, because I had worked in grocery for years on on end. First um, of all, cheese on shelves. What a perfect Wisconsin job to have. <laughs> part of my job. So yeah, I got deals. that. I got that because I worked all through college. I worked at a, at a at a grocery store, one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. I have uh, the people that I worked with. We great, great life. Loved it. Still talk to so many of those people. Really? Yo, I keep in touch with all of them. Dude, we had a softball team. We had we that I enjoyed that. I, a lot of people don't work when they're in college. I actually enjoyed it. That yeah. I, that most of my friends actually came from Cole's food store, not from. College, like my college classes, I right. talked to some of those people, but the people that I still communicate with were from working in the grocery business all those years. It was great, which it's gone now. That's the one thing you're talking about being 50 is going back. Elementary schools shut down. Yeah, like the grocery store I worked at in college doesn't even exist anymore. It's been leveled. It's condos yeah. now. Like you start understanding what other old people go through. I'm not old, but like older people yeah. are like everything that I ever knew is gone. Is gone. And you, when you're a kid, you don't see it and you don't yeah. see why it's an issue or what. Who cares? You know. But you're right. The things that you've and it's all, it's in the music. It's like, you know, every music, uh, there's bands that like sing songs about going back to somewhere and it's like, and everything's changed and yeah. you're like, oh, but I, I guess think that's real. I, the thing that changed, I think the, the moment that ultimately led me here, because it, it, everything's like the domino effect. Like when you remove yourself and you look back at your life, you go, yeah. oh, okay. That led it to was, that, led to that, led to that. It was my buddy, Doug Pampooch, who I worked with. What a at, great, great last name. And, Pampooch? Yep, and he was definitely, he, 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 filled the, he filled the name to a T. But Doug, was an, he was an engineer student at the Milwaukee School of Engineering. 
Oh, this is awesome. John is having, I don't know what you're doing right now, but this is a, what is that? What was that? Sneezing. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell. I didn't know if I had to call 911 or what <laughs> nope. was going on. I'm all good. So Doug, Doug was a he, engineering student at Pink Milwaukee Pink. School of Engineering, who also had a college radio station, WMSE, Guitar Smasher T-shirts. And they, like, they were very well known, like, in that alternative music scene. Like, everybody loved WMSE, especially in Milwaukee, right? And because uh, it didn't have a strong, strong signal, but you could almost, I remember growing up, you could just barely get it in Racine, which is about 30 miles outside of it. And I would listen to it growing up. And he, and I said, dude, cause you could, he had to be a student there to, oh. to work at the radio station. And I was like, dude, I want to, I want to be on the radio. Would you please like get me in? And he was like, reluctantly was like, fine, I'll do a radio show with you. So he and I had a radio show from midnight to three on Tuesdays. We would do those two guys on WMSC Radio, and we had a show. And that was your first play. radio foray into radio. Yeah, and and because you, you have to get a. And the thing is, you have to take a test. You have to you have to get a broadcaster's license. You can't. A lot of people don't know this, but you can't just be a radio DJ. You actually have to. And I still have it. I have my FCC broadcasting license. Wow. That you have to get that. So I had to go through this. We had to go through. What a is process. the test? Can you go five minutes without saying the F word? Probably. It, yeah. was, it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. you know, rocket science. But the point was, I thought it was really cool. Like, it was a great moment in my life where I was like, oh, my God. I'm certified. I'm, I'm certified. <laughs> I, can be be, I, I can be radio. Yeah. So we did that for a couple years. And I think that's kind of where it started. That's where I kind of started learning, like, having fun and doing all that stuff. And then... And how the things you find funny, other yeah, people will find funny. And and I, I started developing a love for radio, which I know we make fun of on the show. But that's where I started developing <laughs> a love for radio, which ultimately... Um, when I got into radio, which was Light 97, Continuous Light Favorites, which was like basically just playing, you know, uh, Celine Dion. And I'm never going to dance again. Yeah, just Guilty old, feet have got no rhythm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was Wham! with I'm Never Going to Dance Again on Light 97, Continuous Light Favorites. Another 40 minutes coming up. So you would do that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? And I, I got that job, but I was still doing MSE, and then I was still working as a food broker, doing all this stuff. You know, meanwhile, you know, the only cool thing about Light 97 was it was part of ABC. So when you come in, it's that. There's an AM talk station. So gotcha. all the talk guys were down the hall from me. You, we, you walk past, you look down onto the news desk. And all the other things they do, so it was kind of cool to kind yeah, of to were be a part of that and of, see it, yeah, even yeah. though I wasn't really a part of it. I no, was literally you, doing weekends. Yeah, but you walk in and you see that stuff, I see and stuff. you you know you do your show out of the same area. It's yeah. like you're part of that family. That slowly team. starting to figure it out, right? And I continued to uh, dabble, and then eventually I got a sales job at ninety three QFM, which was a rock station selling ad space. Yeah, yeah. So I. I I always took the like the non-conventional ways to try to get in. Like, well, they weren't going to hire me as a DJ, so, so I'll, I'll just go be a sales the... guy because I'm a sales guy and a food broker. So I quit, handed in my station wagon, uh, you know, and all the cheese that was left over in the back. <laughs> and the moldy cheese the in the there. back. And, uh, you know, started doing sales there and eventually stuck my way into uh, being on air by befriending the morning show. Uh, you know, MC and those sports guys, uh, Mitch, they, they just got a guy who was a postal service guy and he became like really famous in town for a couple years on, on air. He took a shine to me and nicknamed me Jimmy Olsen and started having me be like a recurring character on there. And that's when I just finally started going, I got to start going this way. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sell ad space. I want yeah, I want to, but I will say, characters. you know, and, and, and cause I, I don't want to touch too much on, on, um, you know, my first marriage, but it was like one of those things where when that started happening, 
when I started like going into that world, because as you know, even you start going in the world of entertaining, that's like it's not consistent anymore. Like nothing is start, consistent. There's no money. It's long hours. It's weird hours. It starts getting a little bit sketchy, and I, I'm sure that at that point, everything that I had laid basically had gotten together with with my first wife, I think at that point that would be that defining moment of like, we were going to start, at some point it was pretty obvious, we were going to start going in different directions. Because if I was never going to go back to that normal life, she wasn't coming with me. And that's ultimately, you know, what, you know, eventually after getting fired from radio, I think the third time, was when you know, not to mention the fact that she had taken a vacation without me. I should have known right there that as I was getting fired for the third time in radio while she was in Europe by herself, coming uh, back. Was and, she by herself or was she with a guy named knows? Jacques? No, I don't know. It does, you know, I mean, again, I, I look back and now it's like, it just seems like a whole nother, like, it's yeah, like, a, it's like gotta, a book I wrote. Yeah. It's so long ago, It doesn't ago, even right? seem real. Yeah, and I, no, no harm, no foul. Look, people grow apart. I mean, that's just a, we were very young and we and we and we grew apart. I mean, you kind of many times because they didn't have kids or anything like that. You got to look at it almost like boyfriends or girlfriends break up. Everybody yeah. has relationships yeah. that don't work out. Everybody does, but you don't have to live your whole life angry and hate that person unless no. they were evil. She wasn't evil, so be it. I just don't talk about it a lot because when I moved on and I found my wife now and my kids, I have like this weird thing. Some people think it's weird that I don't like talking about it because I want my life and my focus to be about this wonderful person that I'm with now. Sure. And but, that's what know. I believe. So I just don't spend a lot of time talking about it. But it was it it was the genesis of what sent me here. The divorce. The divorce. Because at that point I got nothing to lose. I have no I have nothing. I lost my job. Um I uh had and I dabbled in band management. So I used to manage um Citizen King. I was a tour manager for Citizen King, who was Ooh, on Warner Brothers. Let the man go through. Let the man go through. That's no. That's the the band they uh, came from, which was Wild Kingdom. Oh, they were they were a version of Wild Kingdom. Probably would have been one of the most famous bands ever if they had stayed together, but they had their problems. But then they turned into Citizen King. Gotcha. And they wrote the song "I've Seen Better Days." Ah, was their, big, was their big top forty hit. And I also managed a band called the Guffs, which was another big band out of uh, Milwaukee in the Chicago area. And so I did that in between radio gigs, and then eventually that all kind of fell apart, whatever, got back into radio, got fired. But during, right before I got fired, that's when I was like, I'm going to do this stand-up thing again. I want to be a stand-up. And I took advantage of being in radio, didn't ask my program director if I could just start talking about stand-up on radio, <laughs> and I just started running stand-up contests on radio so that I could do stand-up. Because I had already been doing live broadcast, live remotes, and I had been doing ones where they weren't live remotes, where they pay you to show up as a DJ yeah. to events. Well, salespeople, they don't, they're just trying to get ad time. So what they do is they throw you in like, oh, and we'll also send one of our DJs down and they'll give away free shit. Like that, It was always about giving away free shit. Yeah, so chains and T-shirts. And- you'd go to these bars in, out in the middle of nowhere outside of Milwaukee, and they'd be like, I don't want to listen to your alternative music. We listen to the same stuff all the time. We listen to the Allman Brothers. Yeah. And, and ACDC, <laughs> and we're not, we don't want to listen to Green Day and The Offspring <laughs> and all this other stuff you're doing, right? So they don't even want you there. So I learned how to have to talk through, entertain people who are like, please shut up. Please go away. I don't want anything. That you, we don't want your, di- we don't want your free D- CDs because we don't listen we to don't this ha- crap. We hate this music. So. I don't want your t-shirts. I don't want your bumper stickers. <laughs> I definitely don't want you. So could you please go? But you had, but you get paid, so you, you had to do your job. There. 
So I learned how to start talking to people who didn't care. And finally, I was like, if I'm going to do this, shouldn't I try doing stuff that like, I want to do in front of people who may not care still, right? So I did. Yeah. I just started running contests. And eventually, I got myself on stage at, at a comedy club in Milwaukee. And I, it, it worked. I started what running club? contests. Uh, Stooges, it, it, it closed down about a year after I moved out here. But, but they were uh, Joey Kulikowski, who owned it. Classic, right? Very good Milwaukee name. Yeah. She was great and um, gave me the stage time. I eventually got fired because an idiot friend of mine uh, got on the, on the air. I let one of them on the air, and he made an inappropriate joke. I was called into the office after I was on air. Aww. I was fired immediately. But again, all, if you th- think about it, it all, I st- still talk to him to this day. I stood up in his wedding. Like I, he and I laugh about it all the time because we, we kind of joke about the fact that if he didn't come on air that day and he didn't say what he said and I didn't get fired and my, my ex-wife comes back from Europe, and all that shit, like my life has to basically turn to nothing, right? In order for me to make a decision, what am I doing with my life? Is there anything that I haven't fulfilled? Is there any dreams or, or anything that I want? Like you have to have that moment. And I still remember, like I was like, I'm doing it. And I went around and I talked to everybody. And I was like, rule number one, if you're, and this is what I, I always tell people, rule number one, if you want to do something, go around and start telling everybody because they will hold you accountable. Don't just think about it. If you really want to make sure that you do it and you don't want to embarrass yourself, start telling everyone you're going to do it because they're going to keep asking you, hey, I thought you said you were leaving. Yeah. Hey, I thought you said you were going to go to L.A. and try this stand-up thing out. Hey, I thought, I thought you said you were doing this. Hey, I thought you said you were leaving. And, that they, and they hold you accountable. And I, I needed that. I needed both my parents' blessing to say, it's fine. You can move away from us. Like, yeah. you, know, you don't have to live your life near us like right. everybody else. Right. And two, it's like, yeah, go. Go pursue a dream. Go do something. If you don't think there's anything left for you here, because the other, the other thing was, I was going to be a fake tan dude in his 40s wearing, wearing you know, um, sweaters, hanging out at bars, you know, trying to pick up young chicks, right? Yeah. Like, nah, I'm out. And that's, and literally, I, I just packed up with a couple uh, other comedian friends, loaded up my, uh, my car, and just drove out here. Never looked back. I took my TV. VHSs and my CD collection. I left. I owned a house. I left everything to my ex-wife, and I just I was gone. Really just gone. I just packed up and went. I don't know why I took the thirty-two inch television, but back then it was a tube television. It was heavy as fuck, <laughs> and I thought it mattered. But I. Well, you're but gonna need something it. to watch TV on. Yeah, I took it, and you know, I mean, the only thing I will say in in hindsight was I kind of did dump the responsibility of divorce and selling the house and dealing with everything on her. Probably should have manned up a little bit more as far as that stuff goes. But other than that, I was like, I was on a life journey. Like, I just had to figure it out. But yeah. I moved to San Diego. I, I actually, even though my buddy Jeff Castellas, who's been on the show, uh, was living in L.A., I split time. I spent a lot of time with my sister down in San Diego. And first place I landed within two days was the Comedy Store in La Jolla. Boom. And it, it was a boom. That was like a game changer. Yeah. Because I developed a relationship with them immediately. And then we're able to come up to L.A. and work there. Yeah, well, I was able to... St- so then I stayed primarily in San Diego for the first six months and did stand-up at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. And that's kind of where I was... You know, I, I, then I ended up working there. I became a door guy. got to do all that stuff. Yeah. Became an unpaid regular by, by showcasing down there because you could showcase down in La Jolla back then for Mitzi. Wow. Like, you could do all that stuff back then. You know? And it was, and it was great. It was a great experience. And living right next to the beach, going coming from Wisconsin, yeah. doing that whole thing, <laughs> yeah, being La, able to La Jolla slowly is like figure a out my life. Country. But the only thing I will tell you is 
there were moments uh, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Because, and you know this because you came from a small town. Dude, the fucking traffic and the fact that the streets are not straight. So Pico, Venice, Olympic, they all cross with each other. Yeah, one minute around. they're going north-south, the next minute they're going east-west. Thomas like, Guide. Like, I got lost so much. And I, so you, this is what, again, this is one of those things that now when people move out here, they don't experience what we experience. No. A lot of people give up because they get so frustrated with traffic and getting lost and not knowing where the hell they are and sitting in traffic for two hours to go to a gig. Like, they just like, I can't fucking do this. I can't do it. And we had to survive through that stuff. <sighs> Dude, I went, took me an hour 25 to get to Oxnard last night for my show. So, yeah, but that's part of the thing. You have to accept that yeah, like, if you want to survive It's out so here. weird because I, 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 from a small town, there wasn't a lot of traffic. I went to college in a very small town. There was almost no traffic. And, you know, I, I feel like I used to complain about traffic a little bit more, but now I'm just like, it, you, you do, you just accept it. You're like, this is part of the price I have to pay to live here and do what I want to do. Yeah. And you just like, I've also, I've also come to the, like, as I age, I'm like, the situation is always going to be what the situation is. It's your reaction to the situation that will affect you. Meaning, yeah, you could be stuck in traffic. Now, you could be complaining about it and yelling at people and getting your blood pressure up and going nuts and getting red in the face. Or you could enjoy the fact that you have some air conditioning and some tunes you like and a coffee or whatever. You know what I mean? You just try to like try to balance it out because otherwise you'll go insane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's the thing is the ultimately at the end of the day, um, having been fortunate enough to have met my wife, that was that was a huge game changer out here for me because it created that balance and it ultimately like having kids and stuff like that. You know, I know it's a stigma for a lot of people. They think like, oh, you're giving up, right? That's that's people look at that sometimes, especially when you're younger. They look at you like, well, if you're going to go get married and have a family, well, you're clearly not going to be 100% dedicated to any craft in any way, shape, or form. And for a long time, I battled with that. But then ultimately, once I embraced the balance and once I embraced family life and like really, truly fell in love with the whole thing, I was never not in love with it, but really fell in love with it, it actually changed everything for me. Yeah. And actually made it made everything that I've done since then fulfilling and better. Yeah, and it also helped your stand-up and, like, you know what I mean? Like It helped everything. My yeah. writing, everything. Yeah. I, 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 it, dude, I don't make a movie if I don't get married and have kids. Right. right. Seriously. No, you're right. I don't do any of the stuff that I had if I don't get married and have kids. You ha- it's like, again, sometimes you have to remove yourself from your life, look at it, redefine what you believe is success. Right. And I think you'll be a lot more satisfied with the decisions you've made and, where, and, wh- and what actually what you've accomplished and not be so hard on yourself. That's the other thing is I think you got to get less hard on yourself as you get older too. There's, we, we, you deserve a break every now and then. And I don't, I don't mean like, I, I just mean like the idea that we can, we can, a lot of people in this industry will beat themselves up like relentlessly because they aren't at a spot they thought they were going to be. Or, you know, I'm not, an, I'm not a national headliner right now. And that, you know, like five years ago, that was me beating my head against a wall. And now I'm just like, okay, well, what can I do to fix it? And, how can I work towards it at the same time, you know, trying to work in other fields to make enough money to live? And like, it's more just about, you just, I, I'm, I'm less critical. I'm, I'm less harsh about wh- where I'm at. Well, I think you, you know, you, you have to, like for me, it was, it was judging myself against other people because what do they have to do with my life? Nothing. And then being, and then, and then setting realistic goals 
for yourself so that you aren't too hard on yourself and you're not judging yourself too harshly on a daily basis. And I finally got to this thing where I started looking at my life as wants, needs, and, and do, like want, need, and do. And I was like, yeah, there's things that I want, but then it's what do I need? And then there's the do. It's like, what are you doing about it? Yeah. Like at the end of yeah. the day, you forget, like, what are you doing about it? That, and like, so you can talk about your wants. Yeah. And you can discuss your needs, but if you're not doing anything about it, it's all irrelevant. So you, and the doing it part is the part that holds yourself accountable. And what I've noticed is that I've, I've, I'm not so focused on the wants as much as what I need for a good life. And I, I take care of the dues for the needs. And then eventually, sometimes some of the stuff that I want, I get. Yeah. I know it sounds like a TED talk, but it was like, for no, me, but that's, it's like, that's, that's kind of how I have to position things for myself in order to function. Yeah. That's fine. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's not. I just, I, I want I, at the end of the day, dude, I, 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 I look back at my life and I'm like, what, am, can I be happy? You know what I mean? Can, yeah. can I be happy? Can I be satisfied? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Or am I constantly never going to be satisfied, which ultimately makes me never happy, which means am I not enjoying anything when I'm doing it because I'm never going to be satisfied because I think I don't, my house isn't big enough or I'm not living in the right part of town or, or I don't have the right car. Like I, don't, I get made fun of for the fact that I, I clean my car four times a year and I finally get to the point where it's like, I don't care. I just, that's not what matters to me. No. I don't care. No. And, and uh, you, there's, there's like... Like satisfied, like I, I believe that I am happy, right? But like, I'm still going after stuff. Meaning, I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied enough to never do anything again. Right? Does that make sense? Like, but but I'm happy in the want as well. Like like okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this web series. I'm happy that I get to act in it and that it's a step in the right direction. Um, do I want more? Yeah, I want more. But I'm not, but I'm not unhappy where I'm at. Yeah, you know, and if and if there was a way for me to just make a living, not, never advance past where I'm at, okay, so be it. But like, I'm always going to keep trying, and and I find I find joy and happiness in that, and like in the audition process and booking something and 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 moving forward on a project. But so there's like, I, I can be unsatisfied, but happy in the process of being unsatisfied, which I I don't mean like. I'm unsatisfied in life. I just mean like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to stop. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. So it's not about satisfaction. I'm satisfied that I keep trying. Yeah. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? But it's not like I'm like, well, no, I've done everything I need to do. I'm done. Like, no, I want to keep, I want to keep doing, I want to be, you know what I mean? I just saw your friend's movie with Burt Reynolds, his last movie, the last movie star. Great. It was so good. It was great. And, and that, that's a guy who like comes to a realization at a very late age that you know, maybe he was a little bit of a prick, and he could could have been happier with what he had, and and I feel like I've seen enough of that yeah. that I I am I am happy with what I have. I I'm very for I'm a very fortunate human being. You know what I mean? I was lucky to have a family that loves and supports me. I'm lucky to have found a woman who can put up with me. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot that that I have that I'm very grateful for. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm still going to keep trying to, you know. Get a better part. Get you know, do more stand up. Get funnier. Put out more albums. Put you know, I'm always going to keep working at it because I don't think anyone's ever complete. No, no, and, and again, it, that doesn't. But again, it's 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 defining success, and it's it's funny. Like for me, I um, I look, 
I, I constantly have to remind myself, look back on what you have done. Before you get too hard on yourself in that moment, yeah. stop, take a breath, look back. And it's like, for me, I got to a point where I looked back on my life and I was like, okay, when I was a kid or youth, whatever, you know, from young all the way through my teenagers, what is it that I wanted? I wanted to be a stand-up comic. I wanted to be a radio DJ, and I wanted to do morning drive radio. I wanted to work for an alternative radio station, right? I wanted to direct movies. I wanted to act. I wanted to make a Hollywood movie. Like, so, all of a sudden, like, you see, you see what I'm saying? I'm listing yeah, them now all you're, off, And you're and like, like, oh, my God, I've done all these things. I did all the, That's the thing. It's like, <clears throat> holy shit. You're currently still why? doing them, technically. But, but, but my point is, when you stop... And you go, I, did, I, I said, I wanted to do the following things. The problem is, I, initially, early on, I was defining what level of success was yeah. in, within each one of those things. Yeah, I want to be the Brad Pitt of acting. I want right. to be like... Yeah, you, 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 it's like, how high does it, does it need to be? Now, that doesn't, now, lowering the bar doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make you unsuccessful. My point is, it's still all part of the journey. And you and I talked about this yesterday, and, and, and I, can, I can sum it up as into... Yeah, no, I have I have done all those things that I said that I wanted to do, but there are still things. There still are, sure. are obtainable goals, and I was uh, yesterday I had an experience that is still a part of those obtainable goals. And it's like I grew up. Um, we were talking about movies earlier, like a movie of my youth that I really really loved was Flash Gordon. I still watch it all the time to this day, and Flash Gordon is very similar to the Steven Spielberg movies of my youth that I love, which was like ET. And Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jaws. Those are all universal pictures, right? All of those are universal pictures. And so I'm, I love the little, the, 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 the planet that spins, universal, yeah. matters to me. Like, that's like a thing in my that's life. That's your movie company. It, I'm obsessed with it. Like, I, lo- I love it. So I, since I've moved out here, I've always gone to Universal Studios. I love the tram rides. And then when I had kids, my youngest son loves the tram rides. I think you and I talked about this. I love the tram rides. And so... One of our favorite things is, and I've worked in the film business for a long time, as you have. Never been, I don't, I've never worked on a studio lot, per se, right? Like that. I've never worked on Universal Studio Lot. Yeah, yeah, clear. I've worked on lots, just to be not very Universal. Specific, yeah. right? Worked on a lot of films and stuff, but never on Universal Studio Lot. So you have to, again, it's, it's those goals of like what things, things in life that you still want, right? Well, actually, I, I worked on that a lot. I did Last Comic Standing off of okay, that. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. But like, you know, I mean, as an example, like for me, there's the, you know, there's the wants, the needs, and then what are you doing about it, right? So... That's still the thing that I want to do. I would. I want to make a movie at Universal. At Universal for Universal Studios for Universal Pictures, right? Like that's what I want. That's what I want to do. Whether I get there or not, we don't know yet. But all the stuff that could happen along, because and that's a great goal. That's a great goal because right. you're making films at this point that are feature length. You're doing different right. shorts. You're doing. You're. You're working towards that goal. Working towards the goal. That's the do. And no, you you're not going to be it? Steven Spielberg directing Jaws at 27 because no, that's fucking an anomaly. That, that's insanity. Well, yeah. But like, but there, but there's no, like that's there's no there's no definitive like oh Brian's 50 he can't direct anymore. There's no there's no age limit to this town. Like I know we talk about ageism, but there's really no age limit to this town. Yeah. I went to the Creative Arts Emmys. There were like 95 year old men sitting around me. Who were nominated for stuff within the business? Yeah, you know what I mean. There was a guy who went up on stage. He 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 won his first Emmy. He'd been nominated like thirty times. Finally won an Emmy. He's like seventy. You know what right. I mean? Like 
there, there's no age limit. There's no. no Rodney Dangerfield got back into stand-up comedy at age 45 before people ever knew who he was. Because he took care of his family. He wanted to be a family man first, and he decided to get back into the game. Which again, these are these are things. And I and I use him. I, I use my father, and I use um, Louis Anderson's a great mentor to me, and he's always, always, you know, keeping me in the game, keeping me positive about stuff. And my mom and basically my mom and dad, Louis and uh, somebody that I never met. But um, somebody that I use as an example is Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know. They only know him as the, the character, right? But they don't know a lot about the fact that, like, you know, he struggled. He had to leave the business to take care of his family. When he first started, he was terrible. And but, he, but I'm he talking about, any the, money. to me, the core part of his story, though, is the human part of it. Oh, yeah. Aluminum siding salesman to pay the bills. Because he had to put, take care of a family that he food had. In because the his wife was struggling. And he, 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 made, a, he made a conscious choice. To take care of family first, and then when he was comfortable with the fact that his family was going to be okay, he started dabbling back in stand-up, and that he's—that's an inspiration to me. It's an inspiration to my story, just the same way you yeah. know my father is. Like it's funny that I'm turning fifty because my—I'll never forget take, going for a walk with my dad when my dad had turned fifty, and he said, "You know, I think I'm going to run the rest of the way home." And I never really saw my dad as an athletic person. And I was like, you sure you want to do that? He's like, nah, I'm going to run. And my dad ran for another 10 years after that. He became a runner. And I was like, it, it was one of those things wow. where I realized that it's never too late to do anything. If you want to do something, then do just, it. again, you got to do it. You have to say, you, you can you say to put it. In, you have to put work yeah. in. You have to, like, there's, there are steps. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to break into, you know, production, like, you might have to be a 40-year-old production assistant. But that's not going to last long because you have common sense, life experience, yeah. and you'll be able to handle it. Yeah. You know? And I mean, again, I, I have my point of references, like I said, with my dad and, you know, and, and my mom being, you know, so supportive. And, you know, again, Louis, Louis being so supportive. But, like, going back to that story about Universal Studios, to, to, to sum it up, was that you know we as a family go to Universal all the time, and one of our favorite things to do as a family is to uh, go on the tram. So you go around, you look at all the, you look at the back lot, and you start going yeah. past the stages, you start going past the bungalows, and you know obviously the big finish for us always is we get really excited because Elliot loves it when the shark jumps out of when Jaws jumps out of the Dude, water. That's my favorite part. But before you get there, uh, you go past the production bungalows. And there's the, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock bungalow, which when I was in college, I was obsessed with Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. I studied him relentlessly in the match on. That's when I learned what match on action was and all these types of things you learn from a filmmaking standpoint. And one of the bungalows, there are parking spots out there and they're listed. And there's the uh, De Laurentiis family. Dino De Laurentiis made Flash Gordon. And so, like, I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. And, and now, these days, when you go past, there's a big ver- version of Ted is out there, and I, I guess, yeah, one of the bungalows, yeah, right? Yeah, So. From the Mark uh, Wahlberg movie, the Ted, yeah, the from, bear, yeah. yeah. It's obviously a Universal Studios picture, right? So, the, the, so, I'm obsessed with that part of, like, I keep on, like, someday. Like, in your mind, these are the things you think about. You're like, someday I want to be, instead of sitting on this tram, which I love, yeah. I want to go over there. You want people on the tram, I want to go man. over there. Right? Drive by and look Drive at by you. and see see me, right? So yesterday, I was fortunate enough. I'm, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I was fortunate enough to have a meeting in the bungalow where Ted is. And um, though I had not reached, the, I have not obtained what I'm trying to obtain. When the meeting was over, I stepped out and the tram was coming past. And I was standing there watching people on a tram. Who were looking at you going, who were looking what at does me, that guy do? What does he do? Oh, man, he must have some big business going on. And it was one of those moments, again, where you, you do that thing where you, you separate yourself, right? And you go, 
That's pretty cool. I think I did something that I said Life's I was going right. to do. I'm getting closer. Like, yeah. you, I had to acknowledge. I'm trying to, th- that's the one thing, if I was to say anything, like we're talking about, are you being 50 or whatever? It's like, I'm trying to be wiser about learning and being aware of my surroundings and learning from them and, and, and understanding that, you know, hey, man, yeah, you're not, they didn't see you making a movie there today. But, but you're getting there, dude. You're getting you're 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 playing in that. You're playing on the other side of the. Uh, uh, you're playing in the other sandbox now. Yeah, a little bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you dipped your toe in there. Yeah. So anyway, I I just thought like for me like that's that's kind of how I can kind of sum up like hey just just you know you got to show up you got to there's wants needs and there, you what are you doing work. about you can't, it? You can't direct a movie for Universal if you've never directed a movie before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't produce something if you've never produced before. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. So whether that's with shorts, whether that's with your own feature-length movie that you're putting money, whatever it is, you have to... Like, that's the biggest thing. When people come up to me after shows and they're like, oh, I was thinking about doing stand-up, then you better go do it. Stop thinking about it and go do it. Yeah. Because as long... I, I, I know a kid from high school, He uh, every time I see him, he constantly... Um, talks to me about, you know, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to do stand-up. I, I, I wrote, I've been writing, you know, for like three years. I got a notebook full of stuff. And I'm like, dude, you could have, you could have a car full of stuff. You could have a warehouse full of jokes you've written. They're n- none of it is any good until you actually get your ass up on stage and try to do it. You know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's a business of action. Entertainment is a business of action. You can you can't just t- even if just people who just talk about ideas. Nothing you gotta go out and execute those ideas, or at least try, or figure out how. Or and you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail, and you're gonna put out bad, shitty. I've written shitty jokes. I've been in bad movies. I've done bad acting. I've I figured out I need to be better, and from that grew. And I'm trying to be as good as I can. It's like you, you just have to. Take action. That's yeah, you, yeah. You have to assume that no one's going to do anything for you, and I don't right. mean that in the negative term. Your 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 responsibility in life, no matter what it is that you want out of it, that's on you. Yeah. Like ultimately, you have to take care of yourself. You have to do the things that you you know you want to do. Ninety eight percent of the time, the only person holding you back is yourself. Yeah, and 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 again, this that this all sounds like you know cheesy inspirational speak, but it's it's also called truth. Yeah, there's a reason that shit. Is uh, spoken about a lot. It's yeah, it's real. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I again, like I said, I, I, I like the fact that I can look back and go, you know, I, I did, I did some things that I said I wanted to do, and I'm, yeah. and, I'm and I'm, and I'm stoked about it, you know. And I, I just, I finally feel like I can, I can cut myself a little bit of slack, not give up, but cut myself a little bit of slack. To There's, yeah, no giving. That's not to say yeah, giving up. That has nothing to. Those two things aren't. You should be cutting yourself. Everyone should well, probably be a better person a too. Slack. Yeah, because you know, the other thing is, is like who you meet in your life. I think, especially is the older you get, really, really helps define you because you want to start. You want to start keeping people around you that are, right. I, for me, yeah, that are good people. And and one and, and one and one of my good friends that I've been coaching with for years, you know, he really summed up uh, life for me as far as like how to live it. He goes, "Dude, I is what I tell my kid every day, and this is really all you need to know. Just be a good person. Start there." Start there. The rest will take care of itself. If, you're, uh, if your ultimate goal is to be a good person today, everything you do, whether it's being a parent, a boss, an employee, whatever you are in life that day, a volunteer, you're, if it starts at being a good person, it'll be okay. 
there's a better chance that things will work itself out. Yeah, and if you're focused on that, your your reality shifts, meaning like it becomes like being a good person isn't always just focusing on yourself, and it's not no. always just caring about you. It's incorporating everybody around you, making other people like helping other people rise up is is helps make you a good person. Like you shouldn't be. Uh, petty or jealous which is hard in this in this town you know what i mean like oh this guy's getting a tv show and i i should be getting a tv like there's so much of that like comparing yourself like you said to other people which is not if you if you focus on yourself being a good person helping other people and then working every day do something towards your goals and something that you enjoy that feels like you're being creative or helping the creative process or or fueling something in a way that's going to move move a project forward like you should be trying to do something like that every day and and that and I get it when we get tied down with regular jobs and family but within those regular jobs and within the scope of your family you should still be figuring out different ways to move things forward you know if again if that's what you want like sure. I, I found I found for me I found true happiness in being a dad and being a husband and like not waking up every day going, why didn't I write 16 jokes or why didn't I write, you know, 45 pages of a script? It's like, right. well, um, am I a loser or did I actually coach my kids in sports Yeah, or have I been driving around I... all day to karate lessons, swimming lessons, flute practice? I'm just uh, naming you know, three well, things. But as an example, like, it, it, which is, you know, and again, I, you know, I, I treat all that stuff as the negative because in the form of comedy. Right. But the point is, it's, it's your, your, your day is filled up with bonding with your family. That's, that's a, that's a win. Like yeah. at the end of the day, driving around or going to practices that you're not involved with or, you know, doing things over at school, cutting paper to make sure that the kids have whatever they need for their class that day. The point is, it's it's an, it's your it's an experience. It's a life experience. It's a good life experience. It's bonding, you know, and or whatever it is that you do in your life. Again, it's I, I just I, I I kind of like I'm just trying to say to myself as I move forward, man. I just gotta look. Life is ugly. Don't get me wrong. And I always say, like, if you once you realize that, you can find the beauty in it. I just need to find more of the beauty in it and not get hung up on the ugly. And that's that's why I have a love hate relationship with the internet because like sometimes the internet can take you down the rabbit hole of ugliness, and you get worked up about shit that you don't need to get so worked up about. And I just and I don't want that to affect everything else I do in life because I'm always trying to remember, wake up and just be a good person today. Figure it out, man. Do do just be good. Like like life, the internet is what you make it. Yeah, you can make the internet an all positive experience if that's if you focus on it hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and just try to weed out the bullshit. But that's the same with life. Like, life is great. Like, the people try to get hung up on, like, the meaning of life. Yeah. The meaning of life is to live. Like, you're alive. Live. You know what I mean? That's the meaning. It's as simple as, like, Monty Python, I think, had a, a great paragraph at, at the end of their, you know, get maybe exercise a little bit, be a nice person, don't be an asshole, show up on time if you can. You know what I mean? There's those, like... But the but really the meaning of life is is you're you're a conscious human being. Just live, live and 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 move things forward and tr enjoy yourself. You know, I mean, because eventually death is just all this, all these things that you built up in your head. That's all stripped away. You, your ego, everything gets stripped away, and you become a like energy, and you just go back into the universe. It's not it's not like a real death. It's like it's not how people think. Like oh, that's the end. It's like it's not the end. It's just you're done here. You're done with this body. You're done with you know, 
I like Batman. I like this. I like that. Like you're done with that. You know what I mean? You you evolve past that in in what we call death. You know. So while you're here, take it all in. Enjoy it. I think don't collect too much. Don't collect. I I mean, <laughs> you know, I've I've gotten better about that. But I used to be a big collector of everything, and like I prefer to, you know, I I started to think more along the lines of like. Grateful Dead lyrics type deal, like, you know, everything you gather is just more that you can lose. And, yeah. you know, you can't really take any of that shit with you. And, oh, she's watching the... Yeah, this, my wife, will, this is funny. That this is... Uh, you finish, your, finish your thing, because I want to bring up something funny that you and I have joked uh, about Well, just, just the idea, you know, just, I would say Grateful Dead lyrics, but, like, you know, the time has come to weigh... Like, there are things you can replace and others you cannot. The time has come to weigh those things. This space is getting hot. Like... There's, you hear a lot, like, I just heard a song lyric on my way here, uh, the Caged Elephant, uh, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. There ain't no rest for the wicked, uh, money don't grow on trees, yep. I got bills to pay and miles to feed, and ain't nothing in this world for free. I can't slow down, I can't hold back, even though I wish I could, there ain't no rest for the wicked till we close our eyes for good. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Turns I like out. it. You know what I mean? Like, there's. A I don't great know why th- this is coming into a in memorium. Because no, still, I'm okay. just. Well, well, I just mean like I don't know either. But like, I'm just saying like there's a song lyric uh, in a song called Scarlet Begonias where he says, uh, um, "Once in a while, you can get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right." And that to me is like every weird path your life can take. Embrace it. Go with it. Figure it out. Like, don't don't be so harsh to judge yourself on where you're at ever yeah i mean everybody is a work in progress and that progress never stops until you shed it all yeah you know first off never talk about a guy turning 50 who's also a hypochondriac and like put everything into in finality in conclusion (laughs) wrapping up um, your life because it's ended yeah yeah Uh, because it's over no but i it's what's funny which is and i think that the the reason why subconsciously you talk that way is because the the running joke always is like you know when every when everybody turns fifty, when we were growing up, every, they would get them the cane and the Dude, like the cane. Your, the, the, your life is over. Although, like you know what I mean. Like all that kind of stuff, right? That's kind of like the old yeah. hacky joke thing of, about it. By the way, which I think is funny that this specific episode um, is about like looking back on life and doing all this stuff, you know. Um, but one of the things that we joke about is the fact that I've done all these podcasts. I did the Ian Bag Show podcast. I did the Dad's Astro podcast. And now I've done Hollywood Anonymous podcast. And that's hundreds, if not thousands. I was going to say thousands, so many. Over thousands, 500, 600, 700. Hundreds of thousands of, hours. of podcasts. And my wife has never, ever once listened. And while we were talking, uh, I got a text that said, Oh, I'm watching you guys on the uh, camera. That's in that room because we have the Nest camera in here. Because I'm paranoid, I'm always assuming someone's trying to, you know, break into the house. <laughs> so, um, I'm like, okay, so finally you're gonna. Well, she's not listening. She's just watching. No, you can listen. Oh, really? Yeah, you can. Li- you can. I mean, I don't know what she. I, you, you can. I don't know what she can hear, but you yeah. can listen. Oh, you can talk through those things. It sounds weird. It's just, it's not a very good speaker. But oh, so if you, if someone was bringing, it, you could scare the shit out of them. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing there? Like yeah, ah! that, that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah or okay. the kids. Knock it off. Yeah. That's more what I do. It's not. It's not do way. you do that? You, hey, stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want them letting know there are no there will be no secrets in this house. There's All right, everywhere. big brother Jesus. <laughs> Welcome want, to 1984, Brian's keep, house. I want to keep them safe. Well, we're doing 1984 to ourselves. They don't even need to do it to us. We're yeah. doing it to ourselves. No we're helping shit. them out on that thing. But no, I thought that was really funny that after all these 
years and she's like, oh, so that's podcasts. what a podcast looks like. <laughs> it's just me like laying down. <laughs> well, she's been trying to get a hold of me. Oh. And I think her thing is, oh, look and see. I bet she's downstairs with John. So I'm just gonna look into the camera. See, I have no secrets. Right? I have no secrets. I, I mean, I, I'll let the cameras on me, too. If you want to watch me sit around all day long. and I don't think anyone wants to watch that, necessarily. S- stare at my exercise my machine and she, go, maybe. Maybe. I, my maybe. guess is she, she glances in every once in a while and doesn't, like, she's probably focused more on her job. Yeah, yeah. No, she is. <laughs> she's a very successful lawyer who's, uh, who's, who works. Who's yes. planning a party, which is what I was going to say is that, you know, we talk about 50 being the jokey age, and, like, that is true. But I remember when my dad turned 50, we had a surprise birthday party for him. Yeah. My mom had everybody in there. Like, we went out to probably Fuddruckers. I can't remember. And then when we came back, there was like a big banner on the garage door that said, Nifty, Nifty, look who's 50. Nifty, Nifty. And, oh, going for the rhyme. Yeah. And then I, and my dad was like, what the fuck? He was like, all right, whatever. And then, you know, out, out the backyard and then inside, people were like, hey, surprise. And we had, my mom got some belly dancers. Like, I remember it being real <laughs> kind of risque and just being like, whoa, belly what's dancers? this? It was, was like, no, no, like, you know, I wasn't like a stripper, you yeah. know, but it was like, she was like, as a kid, I was like, boing, 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 like, ooh, what's this? All right. Yeah, with well, National Geographic and Sears boobs. catalog, so of course, yeah. <laughs> it's all you, 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 you get scrambled, what you get. Scrambled Showtime. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, but uh, but I do, I remember Select that Select TV. We had Select TV, and I used to, and it was on UHF on Channel 24 at 11 o'clock at night. They would switch over, and they would scramble the signal, and I, and I had a Quasar television that could unscramble the signal so I could still watch. Couldn't get any volume. Yeah, but that's not what I was watching it for anyway. No, just that one, like, whoops-a-boob. Hey-a-boob. That was the first time I had ever realized that they did clever names for pornos. Oh, it was Schindler's this one was, Fist. Well, no, well, okay, that's extreme. <laughs> this one was um, uh, Pinocchio. It's not his nose that grows. Ah. And I remember watching it going, I wonder what's going to happen. And there was a scene, and to me, this, this is what I didn't understand about I'm like, well, this isn't sexual. There was like 15 people dancing on his massive penis, like having a, like just dancing, like they were celebrating. And I was like, and he didn't, he didn't show the penis. It was like, he, it was still on his clothes. So he had to get like a, he had a flap or something. I didn't even know. But I remember watching that going, well, what, what, what is this? What's going on here right now? This is, why am I watching uh, a bunch of, of all, why am I watching a bunch of little people first dance of all, on I have guys? to see this movie now. <laughs> Pinocchio, it's not his nose. It's not his nose that grows. I just Pinocchio Triple X. And to be honest with you, almost none of that stuff was. It's it's I mean, not. It's all, it wasn't. It's it all wasn't. Funny. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And that was the first time I saw Adam West in something. Dude, he Lady did Emmanuel. Ch- he did Emmanuel. Or Lady Chatterley. Lady Chatterley's That's lover. What he did. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, Batman. That's what I was like. What did I was like, man, his career has taken a nosedive. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. and like, in his, all his glory, he. Kind of came out of those ashes as a guy who was cool, making fun of who he was. Yeah. And the funniest thing I ever saw Adam West do was a pilot. They used to do that TV 101. And people would, before YouTube, before the internet, really, like they would have these, people would make these shorts and these pilots. And then they would show these un, un, uh, unaired pilots. And one of them was produced by Conan O'Brien and somebody else. And it was Adam West. As a detective, but he was a cop detective, or sorry, a TV detective. He the show had been canceled. He was given an honorary badge that was in a giant glass block by the LAPD as at a ceremony years before. And now he buds into crime scenes and tries solving the crimes because 
he was a police detective <laughs> on TV. On TV. Like, it, dude, it was so funny. There was a, oh my God, it was so funny. I'm like, how is this not a show? How is this not a show? Like, I can't even remember. It was probably called like Adam West Solves Crimes or some crazy, crazy thing. But it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, man. And he, and just seeing that, I was like, oh, this guy gets it. When you, when like, when you, you know, my respect for a, a performer or an entertainer grows a thousandfold when like a guy like Justin Timberlake, I didn't care about his music at all. Yeah. He came from the boy band world, was not me. Th- I, I laughed at it, thought it was hacky, didn't care about it. When I saw Weird, that I dude, pegged you. what's that? I would have pegged you as a boy band guy. Yeah, right. But when I saw that dude, after he got punked, when I saw him go on SNL and make fun of everything about that and make fun of the Ashen thing and go, I was like, oh, this dude gets it. He gets it. Like he's got you. If you don't have a sense of humor about yourself, yep. you end up like, and I'm not saying like Russell Crowe doesn't have a sense of humor about himself, but like, like there are guys that like you hear about that are just like Daniel Day Lewis probably doesn't joke around a lot about who he is. You know what I mean? No, yeah, and I like, don't see him and that being kind a of yuck shit, yuck. And that kind of shit is insufferable. Like even Jim Carrey could probably admit he was insufferable on the Andy Kaufman movie. But like Lincoln, when they made Lincoln, Steven Spielberg was like, could could I just? Could I just talk to fucking Daniel Day-Lewis? My name is Abraham. Oh, shut the fuck. We're making a movie here, <laughs> asshole. So it's like there's, there's the people that just don't let any humor in about who they are. And I, I think that's one of the greatest things I learned growing up and where I grew up from my friends and my dad, my mom. They, my, my dad was constantly the butt of his own jokes. You know what I mean? Like you just it just becomes something like, you have to laugh at who you are. There's just no way around it, man. Because the world is, there's tragedy, there's horror, it's terrible, but it's also fucking hilarious. Well, you know, you you uh, um, you are a constant reminder and warning to me because I, <laughs> I I remember. Well, no, I remember you you um, your joke about your dad getting angry about cheese and oh. realizing that it's not about the cheese. <laughs> and I always and I I that always stuck with me because as as I'm a parent, I'm always like, what are my kids going to remember about me? Like, what? <laughs> who am I to them? Yeah. Twenty years from now, when yeah. they roast you, right? Yeah. When your kids are adults, or when and they, they feel get more than comfortable up. enough. Well, just in family, right? Yeah. When 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 you get old enough and you feel like. It's okay. You're in a safe zone where you'd be like, can I tell you? Can I just really tell you what we thought about you? Yeah. And I, I'll be able to take it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'll, I'll be game. But I, I'm always wondering, like, even right now, like, how do they see me? Yeah. I, I, like, what, 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 what kind of dad am I right now? Like, I know I'm a little bit goofy, weird dad. That, but that's, that's easy because that's intentional. But do you, but do you what about the, the real moments? I'm worried about the real moments that I'm not aware of. Right. Right, like I know that I make a noise with my mouth, like it's 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 something that I've had ever since I was a little kid, and um, my kids every once in a while I'll be like, "Can we do that?" I'm like, "What?" Like, teach us how to make that noise you make with your mouth. I'm like, "What are you talking?" About? Oh, wait a minute. Like, so I already know that there are things that they that pick I up do everything that they, you that do. They, yeah, so they pick up everything. You I, do. I I always wonder, you know. Like, what are these other things that you picked up on, you know, Dude, uh, I mean, about me that what, I don't know yet? Until one of I won't my find out. One of the things that I that bothered me for a good couple of years, I would say, was that I felt like I never reached any kind of success in this business while my dad was alive, and that's not really true when you think about it. But that's but not like, how your parents see you. Oh that's no, that's not, and yeah. that's not how that's not how he saw me at all. You know, right. he didn't see me as some like failure out here. But like, 
uh, my comedy. Your mom did, but now you're <laughs> right. Right. Uh, my comedy, like I remember the one of the last times he saw me do stand up. He's like, you. He was real honest. He was like, you've improved a great deal. Like he's like, you've got better timing. Like he knew what he was looking at. He knows my dad knew comedy. He was a Carlin fan. Like he understood it, you know? So when he first saw me, he was like, you got a long way to go. And then the last time he saw me, he was like, wow, you've gotten a lot better. You yeah. know? And I, then it wasn't until after he passed away that I started writing jokes about him. And I wish he would have been around to hear these jokes because I think he would have had a good sense of humor about it. And I know I'm right on because when my mom and my aunt are out at a show and I tell the jokes about my dad, they laugh the loudest. You know, when I talk about, which is why I like to make fun of my brother in every like new hour I do, there's yeah. like two, three jokes about Jeff because when my family hears those jokes, they laugh the loudest because I'm nailing it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm 100% correct. And my brother knows it, and like the the comedy of the whole thing. Like I did watch my dad rip apart a piece of cheese when I was a little kid. But when that joke came together, I was like, "Oh man, this joke has been writing itself since I was seven years right, old." Right, right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's some stuff in my life that when it comes into the act, I'm like, "This has been part of who I am for an eternity." You know, yeah. for my whole life basically. And now I'm just finally seeing how to make the humor in it, like that Germany story where I shit in the alley, like. I just thought that was a story I'd tell my friends until I told it on stage one night and was like, oh, oh, I can tell stories. Like, cause I, that's another skill that I feel I picked up from my family, from my dad, especially. He can, he could tell a story that, that even if you'd heard a thousand times, you were still like listening to. Like, yeah. Uh, because I know this at the end, I know the punch, but I'm still waiting for it. Like, I don't know. But it's yeah. How, it's, yeah, it's how you, so your kids, your kids are taking in every, like, you know, come out and help your dad work on the car was just hold this flashlight yeah. and then like, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay. I, I I spent more time probably frustrating my father in any type of assistance Dude. just because I didn't, I also didn't have any interest. In no, I, I wasn't was, trying to be a mechanic. I was no, like, yeah, whatever. He had that interest. But I will tell you, it's funny we bring that up. So my two favorite moments is, you know, talking about doing things, you know, and hoping that your parents think that you've succeeded was one, you and I did stand-up. Remember my parents came to one of the stand-up shows and, and we killed that night. And I remember my mom being in the audience and I, I used to tell the joke about my mom, you know, visiting and raising my kids and doing that whole thing. And it always ends with her, I, I you know, it's, it's a joke. So you exaggerate a little bit of her like hitting the chair and my right. son was playing on a chair and she hit the chair to make him realize you can't stand on chairs because it's dangerous, right? right. And uh, every, I, I remember that night, um, it was in Madison when you and I were there, and I remember telling that joke, and it and it crushed. And I just remember my mom looking around, everybody going, "Well, that's not really what happened. Yeah. That's not. Yep. That's not. Yep. That's not." But I, but I always and, and I so in knowing that my parents were there, um, you know, crafting a couple minutes about them that actually aren't just a joke between the two of us, but being able to do it in a way—it's a relatable thing that everyone there everybody understood. Here. Yeah, and they and so there was the, and so for me, I was like. You know, they saw me do stand-up a long time ago before I ever moved to, to California, and even though I was back in Wisconsin, which is typically where they would see you, and they came and saw me at the Comedy Store once in La Jolla, and they saw me at the Comedy Store in... Um, but that in Madison crowd, but I mean, those, you were... Cru- that was those... It's just, it's just different. It's, yeah. it's a different... And it, was, and it was a headliner set, so you're yeah. 45 minutes versus a showcase set here, yeah. and all that stuff. And it's like... So for me... Going back to what you were talking about, it's like I was very... Again, I was hyper-aware of the moment and that 
I was like, my parents aren't going to go to a lot of comedy shows. So I don't have, and I also don't do a, a lot of comedy. That was actually the last time I ever went to that club, right? Yeah. And I had, but I performed one time in Milwaukee and I roasted my parents in the back again and it crushed and I could see my, because I could see them. And the look on their face of like, they were just proud. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just about laughing. And it finally, it finally settled in with me, and especially after I talked to my parents after they watched my movie, and like how they were like, "We just want you to know that like we really like the movie, and we're not telling you that because you're our son, and you because yeah, we already like it because we are we, we th- that's a given. Like, yeah, we already like, like it because you directed it. Yeah, that's a given. Produce it. Yeah, but they were like, "No, no, we want you to know that we really thoroughly." Because I was like, "My parents aren't gonna like my stand up. My parents aren't gonna like my movies. Like, they're not. It's just it's not their generation." But they were like to to see that they gen like for me I'm like I'm good, my parent it's it's like I gotta stop because yeah. I have that I have a driving thing of like I need to make my kids proud I need to make my wife proud I need to make my parents proud I need to let them know that I'm I'm that what I'm doing is right yeah and I'm and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait think a minute what you're doing is right <laughs> exactly you, know? you forget you, yeah. somehow or another you think oh because I'm not Jim Carrey right. I didn't. Who I wasn't didn't make Jim it. Carrey for a good forty years? You right. know, it's but, like uh, because I didn't make it, right? right? Like I didn't have my million dollar check that I never had. I didn't have my Barbara Walters special, which is a completely ridiculous reference. But my yeah, point it's is hilarious. So yeah, you know it. what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't get my Carson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't have the moment, right? The famous moment where everybody got to see it along with mom and dad, right? right? Then and that's when you realize that's not what that's not how parents roll, man. That's not how family. Rolls and if they roll a different way, they're probably dicks. So yeah, so don't worry about what they so don't think. worry yeah. about what they think. <laughs> yeah. Find somebody else that gets you. you yeah, know but what I mean? you know, and you meet a lot of people out here whose parents don't get them, who are not supported in what their dream in their dreams. You know what I mean? When I always find that so so sad. Yeah, like when it's like, oh my fucking mom is pissed that I didn't do this, and she's mad I'm doing stand up. It's like she's mad. My mom told me to go do stand up. I would have never gotten on stage if my mom didn't tell me to. Yeah. It's like, I can't. I, I, I exist out here because of my family. Oh, fuck yeah. My family bailed me out a couple times. Oh, my God, dude. I out if I, I didn't have my out. mom, I would be, there'd be, in my, and my wife at this point, that I would be living in my car. Or actually, my car would have been repossessed. I'd be living yeah. uh, in a tent or actually just probably a blanket. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, ve- I'm very aware. Oh, I, yeah. Every day I wake up and I look over my wife, I'm like, I don't know why you did this to yourself, but thank you. And then you fart? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you did this to yourself, but guess what? <laughs> that was you. And then run away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Life huh? is grand. Well, yeah, we're getting close to a fart anyway. So life is grand. Not, you know, um, yeah. I'm gonna, Treat I'm it gonna... as such. Enjoy the moment. Uh, I mean, dude, and the way, we're at, the way we're at now, you're starting to eat healthy. You'll probably live another 50 years. I don't know. I've seen a couple. Uh, oh, by the way, by the, uh, speaking of that, I, I saw um, a great uh, tweet from somebody that was like, I used to make sandwiches at a deli. And he goes, um, I made a sandwich for a hundred year old lady. And I found out later that she complained it was the worst sandwich she had ever had in her whole entire life. And I couldn't, I don't know why, but a <laughs> hundred years, years, and that's the worst, worst sandwich it. she's ever had. And, and I, I just, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, oh my God. Because for, even for him, he's like, holy shit, when you put it, when you run the numbers, <laughs> I must have really fucked I that mean, sandwich. Unless up. that was the only sandwich she's ever <laughs> eaten. Now, that's a real shitty thing to say. <laughs> That's hilarious. Unless unless she can't remember, like, I had a sandwich in my 20s, 
and I haven't had one since, but this is the worst one. Like, yeah. I mean, that's probably a woman who's had quite a few sandwiches. Yeah. No, a, a good long life, good is the key. I always see these people that are like 104, and they fucking look miserable. Oh, I'm yeah. like, are they having a good long life? <laughs> or are they just living too long? Or are they like, long? seriously, everybody, fucking seriously <laughs> Let's right Let's end now. this. Well, I got an uncle who's always like, ah, oh, when I turn 75, you can just take me out back and shoot me. He's like, he's like, he's he feels like he's kind of done everything, you know? He's like, eh, what do I want to... Look, I'm all, like, my parents are all about family, and, and and as am I. Like, so my whole thing is like, yeah, you want to, you, you want to... You Take care of yourself and have a good life as long as possible. I want to be around for my kids. I want to see them. I want to see what, they, what becomes of them. Yeah. And, and I want to spend, you know, a, 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 a lot more time with my wife. So it's like, for me, it's like, I don't look at it like, ah, fuck it, whatever, whatever. It's like, no, I'm actually paying attention because I want I want to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. Look, we have no control over it. And I get that. But yeah, no, it's... No, but I mean, there, there are, like, look, we, we fuck medically and, and, and physically and diet-wise... diet, diet wise, like well, and genetically, just, unfortunately, for a lot of people. For a lot just, of people, know. but there's also, like, you know, you can... You can combat the things that used to kill people when they were 30. Right. By just going know, to a doctor. By just going to a doctor and having your teeth cleaned and not right. eating fuck buckets <laughs> of lard and not, you know... Yeah, not hunting wolves, whatever, but like... So that being said, is what we're trying to say is, yes, you should have a 50th birthday party, whether you want it or not. Yeah. And you, I do want you it. You owe it to yourself. I don't know if I owe it to myself. Well, you owe it to the people around you. To, you owe it to your family to let them celebrate everything you've done for them. Can I say? Can I just say no, this? I know this done. just keeps creating risk because it got me thinking about this, but so we, we're in an Evite world, right? So... I already was stressed out about it. And this is nothing personal against anybody because I think everybody experiences this from Evites. But, like, there's two things that end up happening with an Evite. One is, if you fucking viewed it, make a decision, okay? Because they tell you if, if you've looked at oh, it. Oh, and people, you, they're not answering. They've looked at it, but then they're like... You can't sit on it for days. Because <laughs> that means... You're you're weighing options here, okay? So well, we now, got anything better to do on Sunday? Because here, I, here's how I want to lay this motherfucker out, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna tell the truth because I know I'm not the only person that does this when it comes to evites. So first off, the way I went about doing this specifically for this party was based on people I met and what impact they had in my life. So that's how I decided to make the decision of like, okay. I'm going to do this on like I'm gonna it's a it's been a journey, right? So there's been 18 years. Some of you I don't hang out with that much anymore, but at some point in my life. You were close and we we dealt with you, stuff. You together. had an impact. So this is this is how I'm gonna do it, right? So I put it all together. So that's part of it, right? So I do have higher versus lower expectations for certain people that I put on that list. Sure. Right? Um, based on obligation and experience and how often I've talked to them. But the things that drive me nuts, one is is the viewing and like how many days are going to go by. And then I was like, well, dude, calm down. Don't turn this into the, it's like when people get married, they're like, you didn't come to my wedding? Fuck you. I'm done with you. Yeah, okay? don't. Yeah. You didn't send me a gift when I had a child? We're not friends anymore. Like, right. I, I don't want to be that guy that finds that definitive moment where like, that's a wrap on the yeah. relationship because you didn't do things my way. Yeah. But it is true. I'm just pointing out everybody fucking does it. It's just like getting likes on fucking Facebook or tweet, uh, Twitter or fucking Instagram. If it's going to, and I wish they wouldn't tell you if people fucking looked at yeah. it. Why do you fucking feed into that? Because I already have the paranoia that no one's showing up. So goddamn you for that one. Two, the answer no without a response is mean spirited. <laughs> and I know that people don't mean anything by it, but it's so definitive. <laughs> no. You're like, hey. Hey, I'm having a birthday party. No. No. Hey, I'm uh, celebrating. Are you busy? I uh, just, no. No. The answer is no. <laughs> 
hey, you should come over. And I, I, mean, I always put like a, sorry, I'm out of town or I got to do I, other commitment, whatever. But yeah, I always put, if I'm saying no and it's somebody, I'm sure I have responded no with yes, no comment. But it, and again, I'm just telling you, it right. doesn't mean anything. But sometimes when you click on it, it's that's like really so-and-so funny. says no. no. <laughs> so that's what they feel about you. No comment, just fucking no. Hey, I'm having my 50th birthday party, nah. probably the most important party of my whole entire life. Would you like to come? Nope. <laughs> Thank you for the invite. You're not going mean, to say are you, are you Are you busy? Yeah, it's not even like, it's not even thanks to the invite. It's, it's we can't, it's sorry, we can't make it. Even if, uh, sorry, no. we can't make it. You don't even, you're not even telling what your plans are. If you have plans, you're just saying, sorry, no. can't be there. You know? Not interested. Did you get my response? Yes, so I'm saying. So then there's that. Then then there's that. And then there's I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna take then there's it the one, joke response. Yeah, I'm gonna take it one step further. There's the people that know if they view it, so they don't open it. So they pretend that they never got it, so they don't have to go. Like that's how deep I'm going here. Wow. Because it also says not viewed. And I'm like, oh, oh it comes clever, up in your email. Clever, You're clever. not viewing a thing that says you e-bike? see what it is. No, they see it. Yeah. They see it. They didn't open it up. So you can see the invite. like So you know what it is. But if you don't click on the link, it hasn't been officially viewed yet. Right. So your safe zone is don't open read it. the email, but don't actually read the full evite. Right. Now, I'll say if you... Genius. If you sent that... Genius, right? Because it, it, it opens up. The options are now officially endless, right? Genius. Yeah. But if, but if you were to send that to someone like... Nicole, she would probably not be able to open it because she has like 3,000 unanswered emails for work. And you know what I mean? Like, and that just, she just. I expect certain, no, I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about certain certain people people that I know don't get a lot of emails and I kind of know them. That's the thing. You have to remember, everybody that I sent it to, I know them and I know a lot about them and I know where they stand with things and I know how they play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm just saying, these are the things when it comes to evites in general. That if you're a freak like me who already you hates are parties, a freak. yeah, God who damn. already hates parties, and because of all the issues that I have with them, this is the dissection that goes on. This is the freak out. This is why I wish I wasn't involved. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I had to be involved because my wife's like, "Well, you gotta. I need to know. If yeah. You gotta, sure. what, do you, this. you can't rely on her to invite the people that you want. You no. want to make sure everyone gets an invite. And, and, like, and the thing is, at the end of the day, I also had to catch myself. And you know this because you're married. Like at some point, I had to be careful that I don't. I don't be a dick because I was kind of. I was kind of being a dick for a little while about it. Like if someone's like, "I want to do this for you," and you're like, "You're just a stormy, grumpy guy, and yeah. everything's a fucking problem," and, yeah. and then I'm like, "God, she fucking loves me, and she's trying to do something nice for me. Why am I being a dick?" Just let her do it. Yeah, and and I, and so I had there's that whole part of it. Like the whole thing is just so when she was like, "You got to be a part of the evite," I was like, "Fuck, don't be a dick, don't be a dick, don't be, don't check it all the time, don't yeah. check it all the time, because yeah, don't analyze." Don't yeah. And the funny thing is, at the end of the day, if just you and Eddie and Jen show up, I'd be like, we guys, we should just do a podcast. <laughs> I'm totally fine with this right now. We'll do a podcast. I, John, you just can turn your back will be to the TV so you don't have to watch football. No football. The rest of us will just do I'll, whatever. I'll keep wanting to know why the Cubs game's not on. <laughs> It'll be on on something if it's on. That, anyway, that's it. So I, there's no way I'm the only person that freaks. That, that, no, that, you're that not. Everyone's a, everyone's a goddamn psycho. All right, good. Uh, but that's Brian at 50, guys. <laughs> 
He's paranoid that you're not coming to his birthday party. Now everybody knows so why Bri- I only have four friends. Brian at 21 and Brian at 50 are the same guy, I guess. Just still paranoid no one's going to show up at his party. Yep, that's the <laughs> same guy. Same fucking guy when it comes to that. Well, dude, I wish you much success and, uh, you know, many more podcasts and <laughs> years on your life and... So far, all those things benefit you. Is there anything else that... Uh, I wish that you would start paying me a weekly stipend. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, I guess that's um, different. Maybe I could get an allowance from Natalie of some kind. That's different. That has no... Then. You don't need me for that. Yeah. Oh, all right. No, that's about it. All right, good stuff. Thanks for uh, checking in, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. iTunes. Come on now. Send us an email. Bye. See you later. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 